four, three, two, one. Hello, Barry. Hi, Joe. And now we're live. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's uh, very fortuitous. Your timing comes right in the middle of this big hubbub about um, this uh, Native American elder and this young boy with one of those stupid fucking red hats on. Yep. That Would you have ever imagined that a slogan like, make America great again, would be so divisive as somehow or another like that? <laughs> That would be like, make America great again. It sounds like they just want to make things great, like no. all positive. <laughs> no. no. And a no. red hat with white letters. Has there ever been a time like that where a, a, an object, like a red hat with white letters, was so repulsive to half the country? Yes. Well, I mean, some people see it as the equivalent of a white hood. Wow. I don't know about that. They I think do. No. I, I, I believe they do. They I do. Believe they do, they believe that wearing it, it, wearing it. That a 16-year-old wearing that hat mm-hmm. sort of carries intense moral weight that the, surely we know that a 16-year-old is not aware of all of the implications of wearing that hat. Well, yeah, but the problem with that is Kanye wears it. Right. Fair so enough. It doesn't really work. I agree. I'm just saying yeah. there are people who really make that argument. I get it. I know they And people do. who are paid for their opinions. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, there's also people that are calling for this child's name and address. They're calling to dox him and publicly expose him. This is a child. He's 16. Is that what he is? He's 16 years old. And it, w- one of the things that was just so amazing about the whole brouhaha around it, I mean, it was in a way like this perfect encapsulation of our outrage culture, right? Because people saw a tiny clip of this video yes. and it was like a Rorschach test. Yeah. You saw in it this morality play of what, what it looked to be was a group of mostly white kids from Coventry Catholic School. I think it's in Kentucky. And it looked like, at first glance, that they were smirking and smug and had these sort of shit-eating grins on their faces and that they were surrounding this older Native American man. And I have to tell you, I had a visceral reaction to it. The second I saw it, like so many other people, I I was like, this is, you know— where we are in our broken culture and they're bullying this guy and here's the rise of the... I had all of those reactions. The challenge of what it means to be a journalist is to not see people as signifiers or as stand-ins just based on their identity. And that's what like 95% of the press corps did. They sort of leapt to... They leaped to assume that you know, our visceral reaction was accurate when, in fact, when you actually looked at, like, the two-hour video of the whole interaction, which also included this group of black Israelites or Hebrew Israelites, they called themselves, it was not that at all. The, the Native American man had walked up to this group. The four other guys had been heckling the group beforehand, calling them crackers, calling them Satan, calling the one black kid in the group things that can't even be said. So it was just far more complicated. Um, and what what was really really disheartening is that the out the initial outrage was enough for the mainstream press to report on it. Like Twitter has kind of become almost an assigning editor for places like the New York Times and the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal. And then when the actual truth of the thing comes out, when we move past the outrage cycle, they have to sort of write the follow up story to the fake outrage to begin with. Um, Defending the fake outrage instead of backing up and saying, we made a mistake. Right. This, well, this some, some kid, people said that they made a mistake. That's wonderful. That's a good sign. Yes. It really is. But one of the things that was so horrifying was that 
people that are supposed to be adults, you know, people with blue check marks on Twitter, were saying things like, "This is the face of white patriarchy." The sixteen-year-old kid, or what Reza Aslan said, yeah, or Reza Aslan said, "Have you ever seen a more punchable face?" Kathy Griffin was saying, "I need names, shame him, dox him." How do these people not understand the implications of that? So what happened over the weekend was that the, you know, sleuthy detectives on Twitter found a kid who they thought was the kid in the video wasn't actually the kid. So there's the actual kid who was doxxed, the family was harassed, everything that we now know happens in these outrage cycles. But then there was another kid who looked suspiciously like him, who was not him at all, whose family, there was an amazing and heartbreaking Twitter thread about it, whose family was in the middle of a family wedding. And they had to spend their whole weekend fighting off these mobs who were trying to destroy them. And it wasn't even the kid in the video. I mean, that is really horrifying to me. That that's where we are. And the fact that adults who should know better are fomenting this and don't see how thin, like the, like, it sounds heavy, but like the veneer of civilization is. Like they're taking a pickaxe to it. It's just, I, I just found the whole thing to be terrifying. I don't know how you felt. I felt exactly the same way. And I think it's a very unique moment because it's so public and it's so. It's so prevalent in whether it's Twitter or Facebook, it's everywhere. And it sort of embodies everything that's wrong with a lack of nuance and with people taking one side versus the other and sticking with it, with not confronting their own personal biases, with looking at these things through the uh, eyes of this is the enemy, I'm on the good side, they're on the bad side, yes. let's get them. And also this this distorted idea of what it takes to what it takes to be violent like this idea of this is a punchable person like calling for violence you you're you're hearing a lot of this like this is one of the things that troubles me so much about the left my my parents were hippies um you know i grew up when i was a little kid we lived from age of seven to eleven in San Francisco during the Vietnam War. While the Vietnam War was ending, I was living in the middle of the hippie world. I always felt that people on the left were like these well-read, kind, compassionate people. But somewhere along the line, within the last few years, people on the left are calling for violence. This is very, this is very confusing to me. And it's, it's this frivolous social media call for violence. It's not an in-person, be there, boots on the ground call for violence. It's a very strange call for violence. Punch Nazis. I'm hearing this all the time. Because it's, right, because it's sorry, go ahead. What I'm going to say is, what is a Nazi? Okay, so if you mean punch actual Nazis that are putting Jews into concentration camps, I'm with you. But when you call a guy with a MAGA hat on, he wears one of those red hats, and he's just an asshole. You, he's a Nazi now? Some guy who maybe is not that educated, <laughs> wants to be a contrarian, sees all these liberals that are complaining all the time, so he puts this red hat on, and now he's a white supremacist and a Nazi, and you want to punch him? Like, okay. But this- that's what a lot of people in very high positions of power in this country, at least in the culture, actually believe. And they don't understand the implications of hollowing out words like that. Yes. I know this personally, right? Because I'm called alt-right. I'm called an apologist for rape culture. I've been called everything. I'm a centrist, okay? I'm, I'm a Jewish 
center left on most things person who lives on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and, you know, is super socially liberal liberal on pretty much any issue you want to choose. If I'm alt-right, what do, what words do we have left for people that actually are that? Exactly. What words do we have left for people who actually are part of a sort of racist blood and soil nativism that's rising in this country and around the world that should terrify people that are using that language in the sloppiest of ways? Yes. I really don't think they're seeing the implications of it. I also think that when when you're just, you know, you're keyboard warrior and you're just tossing this stuff out, so much of it is about signaling to your tribe that you know that this thing is bad. Yes. And I really don't think people are understanding the implications of this. And I don't think it's a stretch to imagine something like this happening a week, two weeks, a month, two months from now, and someone actually getting killed. Right. Like Charlottesville. I mean, very, very similar to what happened there. This, this, this kind of, I mean, when that guy drove over those protesters, the ramping up of the dialogue on both sides, the rhetoric, the violent talk, it's so disturbing and so unnecessary, especially when it's disingenuous, like calling someone like you alt-right or me. I, I get called alt-right adjacent. That's when I, I hear that me one too. all the time. Me too. I go left on everything, basically except guns. There's a few things. Right, and have, I'm like repeal yeah. the Second Amendment. <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, but, I, like, but I, I do think that there should be uh, some restrictions for gun use, just like I think there should be restrictions for car use. I actually think there should be testing for guns, and you should have to go, look, you have to go through a fucking, you have to take driver's ed to get a car license. How come you don't have to do any, you know, you don't have to do anything to get a gun. Like, you once, if you're not a criminal, you just get a gun. Like, you don't have to know how to take care of it and clean it and sa ha safely handle it. You don't have to know the ethics of use. You don't have to know anything. Oh, you know? no, it's insane. I it's mean, weird. and I just spent six weeks in Australia where yeah. <laughs> they had basically one major massacre 20 years ago. And then uh, I forget who it was. We could look it up. But, you know, Prime mm -hmm. Minister, conservative, got rid of guns. Yes. Everywhere in the country. Yeah. They, they think we're insane and psychotic the way that we live. Well, we're definitely weird. Um, the thing also, one other thing that that jumped out to me about the, the Catholic school boy incident, it kind of signifies something broader that's happening, which is the erasure of the individual, which is just, I think, a horrifying problem in our culture. Like, what actually happened was a one-hour incident on a random afternoon in January between a group of individuals, right? But instead in our... Why, why was everyone there? There was this well, the March for Life? the boys were there for the March for Life. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why the Hebrew Israelites were there, but it's D.C. Like, there are crazy protesters right. all the time, you know, at right. the Lincoln Memorial and outside and of the White the House. And the boys were there for a school event? Is that what they it was? They were there for the March for Life as part of their school, and they had, like, been... had free time, I think, and then were... So I'm converging at the Lincoln Memorial. And they didn't have a chaperone? There's no... No, I think the teachers... Uh, there was a teacher there, mm. and they had asked the teacher at one point, in order to drown out the heckling of the Hebrew Israelites, I hope I'm getting the name of that group right, could we do a school cheer to kind of ignore them? Um, and they did that, and I think they did that with permission from the teachers. At one point early on, it was rumored that they were chanting, build the wall, but no one has surfaced any evidence of that whatsoever. Well, that's what I heard from the Native American elder when he was talking about it in a, in a video. He said they were chanting out, build that wall. And maybe they were. Wall. I just haven't seen anything yeah. and I've watched every video. It's totally possible. They're also 16. 
right? right. And they're also right. So trying say, to make their friends laugh and they're assholes and they're just being silly and stupid. Right. And I have to say, as like someone who was a total nerd in high school, I saw the face of the main kid in that still photograph and that video. And that, like the 14 and 15 year old girl in me was like enraged. Yeah. Really. Like I was like, I see the face of so many kids who said the nastiest things to me and who threw friends of mine into garbage cans like the, like disgusting bullying was it because but the he's thing got is you have to on? get to the next step if you're a jerk no it was it was yeah oh for right. sure but if he's just standing there it's the hat and he doesn't it's have the, the hat face on. maybe even still if it's a group but he but, but the, my thing is like your initial reaction to something is not the truth right it's your emotional reaction and anyone who calls themselves a journalist, like your job is to figure out the facts of the case, not to make this into a kind of identitarian morality play. And the fact that so many people in so many publications did just that. And in fact, when the real facts surfaced, just kind of sort of dug their heels in and were basically like, well, he's a stand in for the white patriarchy. What? That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Like there was an actual BuzzFeed writer that said it, it's the look of white patriarchy, his face. You're really going to put that on a 16-year-old? Would we do, like it's just that's nuts to me. Well, it's cruel. Um, it's a denial of the individual. It's very cruel. Um, when you're 16 years old, you're basically a baby. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. You're incredibly susceptible to the influence of your peers. You're around a bunch of other boys. You're not around girls because you don't go to school with girls because you go to some wacky religious school. Right. That this is, you know, you want to really be a social justice warrior. You really want to save the world. How about you do something about the Catholic Church? Everybody wants to go after R. Kelly, which is great. But how about the Catholic Church? How about the number one kid fucking organization of all time? Yes, that's what it is. And I, I was raised Catholic. I know what it is. Did anything happen? To you? Nothing happened to me. I got lucky. But I know people. I know a bunch of people. I know a bunch of people with stories. And this is all over the world. Oh, yeah. But do- these kids come from that cult. Imagine if that was not the Catholic Church, if it was instead Scientology. We would be going, oh, these kids are a part of a cult. They went there. They're a part of this weird cult that suppresses sexuality amongst its priests and encourages the the placement of these pedophile priests in new places in order to get away from whatever crime they've committed in the area where they were initially established. This is what the Catholic Church is. Right. But and they travel all over the place. But it also is good people. This is the this is where nuance comes into play. It's good people. There's a bunch of people that are Catholics because they want a better relationship with with God or the universe or love or whatever. They feel like it's a good moral framework for their children. They take them there. They believe in the Ten Commandments. They believe in this moral structure for society that's laid down by what they believe is God. There's great people that are involved in the Catholic Church, but it's also the number one kid fucking organization in the world. It's those two things, right? So these kids are a part of something that's way worse than smirking at a Native American with a drum. And in my opinion, being a, I remember when I was 16, I was a fool. I was a dumb person. Were you a bully? No, I was bullied. Yeah. I was little. Because you were small. I yeah. was small, and I learned martial arts when I was like 15. I mean, I'm sure I was a dick to some people just because I could get away with it. I don't, I don't really remember. But Most I, 15-year-old I definitely, boys yeah, and I girls was, are in different ways. A, people are dicks. You're trying it out. You know, you don't even know how to talk yet. You're basically just <laughs> learning words. And this kid, with this guy beating the drum inches from his face, 
he handled it, I believe, way better than I would. I, I don't think I would have. I don't, no, see, you I might have walked if, away. I mean. I don't think so. Really? No, I don't think so. Not when I was 16. When I was 16, also, I was competing. I was doing a lot of martial arts events. So maybe I would have kept it together better than I'm, I'm thinking I would have. But I definitely was a fucking idiot. And I was 16. You know, you just right. don't. And, and who knows what's going on that day? Who knows? Like, if you have anxiety about the future or your girlfriend broke up with you or you failed the test or what else that is like b bouncing around inside your head, overwhelming your ability to form reasonable thoughts. Totally. 16. But, but let's assume, by the way, that everyone's initial, not everyone's. Every liberal I know, okay, everyone on the center and center left and even the center right's reaction to it was accurate, that he was a little asshole, right. that he's a racist, homophobic, transphobic, hates immigrants, and every single thing. Mm -hmm. Does that deserve to be news? That no. a 16-year-old kid with those views smirked at a Native American elder? Especially considering not, what he actually did, no. I, I don't think that's news. Not only that. I think it's strange that... We're covering it like it is. And because of the internet, the fact that we're my timeline on Twitter and on Facebook and on everything, this was way bigger news than day whatever it is, 3031 of, of the, the government, government shutdown, shutdown where people are having to get on bread lines to feed their families. Right. I mean, but, come but here's on. the thing is it like, but, but it's people what it's what people want to talk about. I think. There's this idea mm -hmm. that there's things that are happening right now, like the government shutdown, and then there's things that are happening right now in terms of our culture shifting. And when these things that come up in opposition to what many people believe is a beneficial shift to a more progressive, more responsible culture, when these little hiccups, they get addressed, and they get addressed rapidly. And I think it's because people are aware that things are changing in this almost like unprecedented way. If you look back- Yeah, at, unprecedented pace, I agree with that. Yeah, like nothing we've ever, there's nothing that you could find in the historical record for human beings has ever been what we've experienced over just the past 10 plus years of social, um, social networks and social media and the ability to spread information very quickly with a YouTube video or a tweet or whatever, or, I mean these, these Right. The way people are exchanging information is just very different. And because of that, culture is shifting at a hyperspace speed. It's just turbocharged for sure. So I think when something comes up that we think is like, ah, there's one, get it. Exactly. But it's not logical. It's like, it's like road rage. You know why you get road rage? One of the reasons? Because you're going fast. Okay, you're in a car and you're nervous. You're, you're heightened senses. So anything that happens, it gets magnified. Like someone's, you motherfucker in my lane. Yes. Don't you honk honk. Because you're already <laughs> jacked up to eight because you're in a car going 60 miles an hour. Wait, Twitter does that emotionally Twitter's for doing us. that. 100%. And social media is doing that. Life is doing that. This, so when something like this comes up, this rapid pace of change, which is almost impossible to keep up with, right? With the news cycle and this constant wave of change and information. So when something comes up, People are road raging on this kid. Totally. That's why we just have to – I mean there's there's lots of things to say. But one thing is just continue to insist on truth and facts yes. and not allowing people to be stand-ins for a group. You're not a stand-in for anyone. You're yourself. You answer for yourself. And I just – I find that trend on both sides really, really scary. It's because people are insecure. And you know, I think for someone like Kathy who's experienced – 
Kathy Griffin who's experienced that public shaming. She's right. That amazes me, right? Like she's been publicly shamed herself in the most horrific way, has basically had to live underground. And now she's saying shame him, name him and dox him. I, think I don't it understand reinforces, that. It reinforces people's idea that they should be more, more committed to their side, more committed to their team. The only way you're going to get any support if you have been attacked and isolated, not alone, is to get back deep, deep into the team again. Like, how do you get back deep into the team again? You got to be fucking mm-hmm. rabid, mm-hmm. you know. And that's part of it. It's a, it's a natural reaction that people have to sort of signal to everyone else on the team they're all in, they're fully committed. They don't even care about their fucking career. I'm an activist like that kind of shit happens and it's it's people that want love That's what a lot of it is. Yeah. It's they they do recognize that there's something wrong they, they are reacting to a real thing. I'm not denying that but I am saying that the the reason the overwhelming reason the motivation for this kind of Overzealous reaction is often the signaling thing. It's so they want to let everybody know totally I'm on, I'm on the fucking team man I'm all in let's go punch some Nazis and the people that I've, I've talked to people that have said that in in real life and I'm like man you you can't punch anybody you shouldn't punch anybody they're going to punch you back what do you, you don't punch first of all who's a, or you, serve your save your punch for a real a one a real one yeah in, a real one you know in Poland or yes. in Hungary right yeah. now right right you know not a, not a 16 year old kid who maybe has no idea what that hat signifies well um, I mean, and all I mean, there's a broader point, which is like the very same people, like one of the sort of wisdoms of of criminal justice reform, right? Is which I believe in is that we shouldn't try kids as adults, and we should forgive. We should have greater generosity and mercy and forgiveness for the crimes of a child, even if they're they've committed them. Yes, those same people are the ones saying dox him and shame him generally politically. Well, you're seeing that now. And this is, again, there's never been a doxing before. There was no doxing, right? How long has doxing been around? A decade? Well, like since Game, Gamergate is when it got huge, right? Yeah, maybe let's go crazy and say the first doxing was 20 years ago. That's a blip, right? That's so recent. So, you know, this is not a thing that people have really had to balance out in their mind when to do it and when not to do it. They just do it. I think people have no idea of what that looks like. Right. And unless well, you've experienced it or watched someone you know experience it, it's it's like it's like an abstraction because these people are abstractions. They're two dimensional yes. little puppets. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And this extreme lack of empathy, the the lack of empathy towards anyone who doesn't share your position, this is very strange. It's um it's very it's piss poor thinking, and it's everywhere, and and everyone wants to feel like. Not being a part of one of the tribes is an extremely lonely position, and you get called all the bad names right. because people want you to be a part of their tribe. And people don't want to be called bad names, and they want to feel like they're in an in-group. Like, I, emotionally, I totally get that. Yeah, it kind of sucks being homeless. Well, it's just— Politically homeless. Yes. It's just—when you got a president that's so polarizing, and you have an opposition to him that's so— there's so much momentum in opposing him and I think this is a giant wedge in between these two sides and then you have that hat and that hat if that kid wasn't wearing that hat I guarantee it'd be like 20% less hate it would be oh yeah it would be people would still get mad at him because he was like I've seen people say when a native elder walks up to you and he's banging his drums 
get the fuck out of the way. I saw that. Like, come on. You can't expect that. You what? You can't just beat your drum. First of all, he got right in the kid's face, like inches from the kid's face. Pretty amazing, the restraint this kid had to just smile. And the idea that you're going to judge this kid, millions and millions and millions of people are going over this right now. That kid woke up that morning. He had no fucking idea. He was a kid in a cult, okay? He's in a Catholic cult school, and he's going to some weird thing, some march for life where people are trying to kill babies. We've got to stop him from killing babies, right? And he goes there, and there's, there's black Israelites calling him the faggots, and there's, there's all these people calling him names, and, and then all of a sudden this guy's beating a drum in front of his face. And we're supposed to, we're supposed to dox this kid now because he smirked? Yeah. That's, that's a crazy, the, uh, an impossible lack of empathy. It's impossible to defend. Like unless you hate boys, unless you hate all boys, because boys are dumb. Like sixteen-year-old boys are almost universally dumb. They all they all grow up to be men. Some of those men will be your best friend. Some of those men will be amazing. Some of those men you'd be so happy to see. When you see them, you give them a big hug. Okay, that's me. <laughs> right. That's me. I was a stupid fucking sixteen-year-old. Right. And I'm a man now, and I try to be as nice as I can to everybody. I go way out of my way to be a kind person. That could be that kid too. Like what you're doing is not good for anybody. It's not. It's not good for society to take this trend and run with it. And and this. Well, this is what people do now. You know, you dock sixteen year olds. And it turbocharges the right. Like that's yes. what I think. People are not quite understanding that dynamic. That yes. if you're someone who, you know, is frustrated with Trump and is maybe moving to the middle, and you know, imagine that person. It's easy to imagine. Yeah. Then you see this, and you're like. I don't want those people being in charge of me. I don't want those people running the government. Yes. I mean, that's the like visceral reaction. I just, I don't think they're understanding the like implications of what they're doing. I don't think they understand. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. No, there's no mastermind behind this. There's, and there's no, 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 I don't understanding. mean a mastermind. Right. But like, I don't think they do understand their implications. The, the, when you have a spectrum, right, the far right and the far left, they have a very similar reaction as they drive a person to the other side. The person that sees the far right and sees repulsive racism and, and, and bigotry that, that, you know, build that wall, fuck these Mexicans, fuck those little kids. They, they should have known better. They're all illegals. That kind of person that pushes people towards progressivism. It, it pushes people towards m much more liberal, even socialist ideologies like fuck that grossness. And the same thing could be said for some like I'll, I'm going to send you something, Jamie. This is a real uh, poster that Antifa is sending. Um, they, they were putting on um, on wall on walls and and fence posts and shit in uh, the Pacific Northwest, and uh, it's actually kind of hilarious because it's so stupid. How I'm do gonna, I see it? I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to Jamie, oh, cool. and Jamie's gonna put it up on the screen here. But uh, it it says, uh, "Oops, wrong wrong Jamie. Sorry, Jamie Kilstein." <laughs> <laughs> Here you go, buddy. I uh, just sent it. It says, when you date a white, it's not all right. And it's like, oh my God. it's telling people to not date white people. Propagation of whites is propagation of hatred, oppression, yes. homophobia, sexism, transphobia, racism, and ableism. Now, if I was... A, so are we supposed to yes. sterilize white people? There it is. We can see it up on the big screen, so it's even grosser. Cool. That's Because awesome. it's large. But Jesus. see, this is the thing. Racism is <laughs> racism is terrible, right? So how do you stop racism? Well, racism is can only be per perpetrated by white people. Oh, 
Well, the problem is white people. We got to stop white people. Well, now you're racist. Like you're literally being racist to stop. Is this really race- everywhere? I've never seen oh, this. Well, the people are finding it and posting oh it online. Oh my god! Oh my god! And someone sent it to me. Um, I don't know if it's everywhere. It's probably just one asshole, right? Do but you see the, the, but the per- but the person exists? Right, you, that person exists, and they think they're a progressive. Do you see the cold civil war that we're in in this country becoming yes. a hot one? No, I hope not. I, that's why I worry like, about this, this punch go? stuff. Where this, does this go? No one knows. If we did, we you could make a lot of money in the stock market. But <laughs> <laughs> this is this is why I'm concerned, especially because I understand violence a lot better than most people do. You can't just say go punch people. When Reza Aslan says, "Have you seen a more punchable face?" That is so fucking dangerous because you're almost saying go punch this kid. I saw someone else. I accidentally favored something. I didn't mean I to favor it. I hope you unfavored it. I did. Someone pointed to me, and I'm just lucky that I looked at it because I normally don't even read comments, but somebody pointed out that I favored a, a really preposterous tweet um, that said, honest, um, it said, the reply from the school was pathetic and impotent. Name these kids. Oh, that's Kathy Griffin. Uh, here's the one that oh, said, it, this guy said, God damn it. I can't find it. He was basically saying no need to... Here it is. Uh, a face like that never changes. This image will define his life. Oh, no one my... Need, <gasps> no one need ever forgive him. And this is a person with a blue check mark by their name. No one need ever forgive him. A face like that defines his life. That is virtual signaling in the most toxic form. It's so, so dangerous it's also to like think like that. The idea that... Just... I'm sorry. I was trying to... No, it's okay. The idea that people cannot change and are irredeemable right. is crazy. Cancel culture. I was talking about this with, with Kanye, honestly. We were talking about cancel culture. When was he on the show? We were talking about a person. Oh, okay. On the phone. Okay, He's going to be on the show. Okay, cool. We're, allegedly. He's, he's a little nervous about I'd it. I'd like to see him with the samurai sword posing in front of him. I think he would go American with the Elon flag. Musk gun. Yeah, you're probably I right. I looked up that poster. It's been, it was first posted over two years ago, and... It supposedly is uh, like a troll. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, That's, good, but good, this is good. the world where it's hard to find what's a troll and what's not. What I was going to say that if I was cynical, I would say that if I was a person who's like far right, exactly, I would you'd put, put that, that up, up, of course, just to fuck with these people and to sweep people. I mean, it's basically like some CIA psyops type shit. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is this, is, but we're so through the looking glass here that like that post that I just read you, that's a real post about this guy is unredeemable. I mean, you, no one need ever forgive him. That's just as bad, in my opinion, as that poster saying don't date white people. It's all oh crazy. You're we, depressing me. We d- no, don't, no, don't no, be no, no, no. I'm just like, it's, you have to like fight. I have to fight this feeling of despair. You have to, like I find myself fighting it because... The basic, like some like basic virtues, right? Yes. That used to be normal, right? Like civility, right? Civility has now become, for some people, a code word for like complicity with Nazism. Like if right. you're if you're civil and you believe in civility and you believe in, you know, treating people decently and with giving them the benefit of the doubt, like that that word itself has become a code or a signal in a negative way. Mm. Empathy, like. Humili- doubt, even saying it, I don't know. You know, I, I, I just these basic virtues seem to have been like swept away, and I don't know yeah. when they when they got lost. Well, a key ingredient for sure, the thing that hardened the epoxy was Trump. I think these yeah, these trends these trends are going in that direction anyway. But he capitalized on that. You know, he's a very 
smart manipulator. I mean, he knew how to capitalize on that. I mean, this chant of build that wall, it's not an accident. That that's something that he concentrates on. And it's not just that it's uh, they're in a political battle right now because if they get him to back down off the wall, then, you know, he looks like a, a loser when 2020 comes around. He looks less powerful to all his people. Um, there's that for sure. But there's also this he's so egregious like everything he's so he's so that guy well he's gotten rid of all the guardrails yeah like he's broken the dam my question like thinking about how we're going to get beyond this is how do we build it back because he's broken something or he's signifying the fact that it was broken one or the other i think that he was both a symptom of something that was broken that we didn't recognize and now he's further catalyzed that brokenness well i think both sides have to recognize that the other side has some points that's one thing and then I think we also have to treat ourselves like we're all a family and we're all on a big team because that's what we really are. If we really are the United States of America, I mean, what, what, is, a, what is a country? I mean, if, if anything, we're supposed to be a team. The idea that we're separated and we're two teams in this one team, the real differences in terms of like who gets elected, like how it's going to affect your life, involve business, involve some social policies involve some things, but the way we interact with each other on a day-to-day -day doesn't involve that at all. That has to be fixed first. The way we think about each other on a day-to-day -day basis. There used to be a time where you could have a conservative friend, and you could be a liberal, and you could be a fucking long-haired hippie guy, and, you, and as long as you are a good, hard-working person who didn't let their lawn go crazy, your next-door neighbor, who was like a Goldwater Republican, would talk to you. Totally. And you would go, how's it going, Mike? What's going on with the, oh, you know, guys at the force are trying to put together this case and this and that, and, you know, a professor could live right next to a cop, and they would be friends, and one would be conservative, and one would be liberal, and they would make fun of each other a little bit and rib each other a little bit. And that would be the end of it. That would be it. It wouldn't be this this civil war that we're experiencing right now. Right now, just verbal, and hopefully it stays that way. But it's 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 confusing. It's confusing because there's a lack of a, a frustrating lack of empathy. That when I look at human beings and when I look at people that aren't seeing what everyone else is seeing, or they're not seeing things objectively, and they're irrational and overly emotional, I always assume there's something else they're running from. I always assume when I see someone lashing out and f insulting everyone around them, I always assume it's not the, the people around them. It's something internal. There's some, something, maybe some existential angst that they're fighting against, some realization of the futility of life, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> I mean, you, totally. You, we're finite organisms yes. playing this game as if it lasts forever. And accumulating stuff as if it's going somewhere with you, like it's going to get in that wooden canoe and the god Ra is going to take it with you in the right. afterlife. It's nonsense. And somehow or another, we know this. And we, as especially as people get older, they seem to push it further and further in the back of their mind. And they get more and more ideologically based. They're less open-minded. They're, they're less open to nuance. It's very rare to see a 65-year-old guy switch parties. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. become calcified. You become that guy, you know? You, <laughs> the uncle. Yeah, that fucking asshole <laughs> uncle that has a couple of drinks in him and starts talking about the gays, <laughs> you know, and this and that and all, all the, the, the things that are wrong with our culture, the sodomites. You know, people start talking crazy. I've never heard that at a Thanksgiving dinner, thank I God. I haven't either, thank <laughs> you. Mm. But um, I think there's a few things that could help us. One, I think, um, is just time realizing that these stupid fucking blow-ups over this kid and the discussion that comes afterwards, hopefully some of this will settle down. 
we're allowed to have disagreements. We're allowed to have opinions about how these kids should have behaved. We're allowed to have ideas in, their, in our minds about how, how you would behave if you were that kid. But I don't think you're allowed to dox him. I don't think you're allowed to even say that. I don't think you're allowed to say that you want to punch him. I think that's a that fool. needs to become socially unacceptable yes. to do that. Yeah, you need you need to be checked for that because that's you you know when when someone says things like Reza Aslan, him, who's who's punched him? Anybody punch you, buddy? Who's ever punched you? You know, no what idea. Punched feels like Sam you know Harris. Like you, would he have punched Reza Aslan? He might. Jordan would probably punch him. Jordan's more of a "I'll punch you" type of a guy. I don't think Sam would ever say you'd punch somebody. I can no, I cannot. I have to say, I cannot imagine ever saying to someone, "I will punch you." Well, you I know, felt the feeling of "I'm going to punch you," but I can never imagine typing that. Yeah, I mean, unless you're protecting someone you care about or your own self. Although I did see this amazing video of Buzz Aldrin. Did you see this? Oh, punching the guy who said he didn't go. To, I know that guy. That you, guy, Bart Sebrill, that he punched. I went to, I went to dinner with that guy. You know a moon guy. landing denier? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I know you one. know Alex Jones. I used to be a moon landing denier. I used to believe, I used to believe totally that we never went to the moon. Because there was a documentary no, that came on on no. Fox. Yes, trust me. No, I didn't, I didn't Google you hard enough nin- before I came up In the 1990s, in the 1990s, <laughs> Fox had a, a show uh, called Conspiracy Theory, Did We Go to the Moon? And they aired it on television, prime time. And they got me hook, line, and sinker. And for years, oh I believed God. that we didn't go to the moon. What changed you? Mostly talking to Neil deGrasse Tyson, but also critical thinking. Also uh, realizing that I was fully committed to that idea without really exploring the possibility whether that idea was incorrect. And that I had taken everything that I saw in that documentary, which is incredibly convincing, and with 100% confirmation bias, I only looked at that and I didn't look at all the contrary evidence. There's some fucked up stuff about the moon landing, unfortunately. And the fucked up stuff is mostly people that were involved in publicity that were doing stupid things with photographs. Like they had taken a, fi- a picture of... Um, you're gonna, uh, I'm going into uncharted territory yeah. here, just so you know. Like you're an expert on this. Yes. I've never gone into moon landing denialism. So yeah. I don't know about it. Uh, was Buzz Aldrin... Um, who was the guy that was Michael Collins? Michael Collins in Gemini 15. Jamie's like, I've there heard was a photograph. this before. He's seen it many times. Pull out that photo. This, oh is, this is what I'm with talking the about. the shadow? No, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. This is a photo okay. that they, um, they put out as an official photograph of Michael Collins doing a spacewalk. But what it actually is, is a photo of them testing equipment, and they blacked out the background. So he's in this suit that they were doing with testing, and instead, because they really couldn't get good photos in space, because no one's out there with him taking these pictures, right? So they lied. They faked it. This is it. So you see the one on the left, you see the real photograph. And this is him in a studio where they're working on him, or warehouse rather, or some sort of a testing environment, working on how to uh, control these harnesses that you would use when you're on a spacewalk. Because that thing, you know, propels him forward and back, and he's learning how to use it. What they did was they just blacked out the background and reversed it, and then they sold that as him actually being in space. So this is probably an okay. overzealous publicist. And there's a bunch of these. There's a bunch of these when it comes to um, d- different backgrounds in, in areas of the moon that are many, many miles apart from each other. It shouldn't be the same background. And more likely than not, what you're dealing with is overzealous publicists because photographs were incredibly difficult to get, I'm sure. Well, the moral of this story to me, mm-hmm. thank God, first of all, that you're no longer a moon landing denier. But... Also, the power of 
the media and the press. And like you saw one documentary, right? It was a couple after I saw that. And I that, saw quite a few. But that sent you down this rabbit hole. And yeah. that, you know, I've been thinking about, did you see that Roku is, um, I think, deplatformed Infowars? Yes, instantly, like within a day. But I wanted to ask you a I question say, before we get to that. Okay, because I have to say, I feel, I think I support that because I don't want, like in an age in which people don't know, Okay, like a, a 15 year old clicking through their Roku doesn't necessarily know the difference between CNN and Infowars and The New York Times and MSNBC and whatever. And of course, some of those other ones have biases, obviously. But Infowars promotes conspiracy theories. And do I want a 15 year old kid stumbling into that and thinking that that information is on par or on a level with actual facts? The problem with conspiracy theories is that some of them are real. This is the real problem. The problem is you don't know which ones are real, but some of them are real. Um, the Gulf of Tonkin that got us into the Vietnam War. You're aware of that? Okay, but Sandy Hook. Well, okay, Sandy Hook for sure happened. A bunch of kids died, and these are horrible. These are horrible, evil conspiracies. The problem is... Promoted by right. Alex Jones. Yes, it's horrible, without it's, a doubt. And you know, and I, I saw the Media Matters clip that I, I'd never seen before. I saw it recently. Um, Which clip? I the don't... one that shows every time he brought it up. Oh. I mean, it's not just one time. Oh, I know. It's many, 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 with many it. times and was saying it was an absolutely he, fake thing. Has he ever apologized? He's for backed this? off of the position now, but I think. Because of the lawsuit or? I'm sure it's a lot of things. I'm sure it's the pressure. It's sure it's. It has to be a realization that he knows that it really did happen. But there's a, a giant group of people out there that still believe it didn't happen. And they still confront these parents, uh, e even I in know. court. And they call them crisis actors. No, I know. The, the Times it's, has done amazing reporting on this. Elizabeth Williamson, my old colleague. It's sick. It's sick. It's twisted. Um, we probably shouldn't. I mean, we can no, go into conspiracy not, theories. I just don't know. To go into. It's not a bad thing to go into. Because it's a thing. Okay. But it's, it's but you know, it's I'm curious what you think, dangerous though, ground. Of, what do you think of Roku taking InfoWars off? Oh, I think we have to decide what what is Twitter. What is Facebook? Yeah. What is YouTube? The position that most people have is these are private companies that can make their own rules. This is just like CBS deciding that if you use, uh, you know, if you drunkenly yell the N-word out at a black police officer that they don't want you as a newscaster anymore. What, you know, yeah. that's a public or a private company that can make these distinctions. If you uh, take a position, uh, an anti-Semitic position publicly, they can, they can decide, look, we don't want you on the air anymore. And then there's other people that think freedom of speech in this form is, is so important and that the answer to bad ideas is not stopping those ideas. It's good ideas. It's good ideas confronting those ideas and you see it all work itself out. That's, that's the, that's the other side of the coin. That's the other side of the argument. The argument that the, we should treat, whether it's Twitter or YouTube or any of these social media platforms, as a public utility. And that you should be able to distribute information. The real problem is, with all of this, is that it's very messy. The, 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 there's, this is a nuanced issue. There's a lot going on. Because when you do decide to de-platform someone for having an awful position and spreading a false conspiracy about that, most people are going to agree with you. But the question is, does it stop there? Exactly. And does it move on to you are a person who believes in white nationalism? What does that mean? Well, I believe that black pride is fine, but I, I also believe white pride is fine. What about those people? 
Where do we go with them? Right. They, then it gets slippery. And what then, about the alt-right adjacent people? Yeah, alt-right adjacent. I totally what, what get it. What about people that have given the alt-right a platform? You know, what, are, they, are they a part of the problem now? Should we de-platform them? I mean, this is one of the things that there was a, uh, a, a paper that someone had put together, an article. It was is this co- this data and society yes, thing? Hilarious. Where it's like yeah. everyone has this very bizarre connection. It's and, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, yes, basically. Exactly. And but but they're using it in terms of like, the way the connections is almost if it's scientific data. Well, they would basically say of you or of some someone like Well, they did say of me. They said of you, you're yes. a gateway to the alt right. Yes. Yeah. So what I said is Barbara Walters interviewed Castro. Does that make her a communist? Right. Exactly. What the fuck are you talking about? Exactly. I'm pretty left. Like, just ask me questions. Like, if you want to know, I'm not going to hide my positions on things from you. I, I'm very open. Obviously, I told people I used to believe the moon landing was fake. <laughs> I'll tell you all the stupid shit I believed. But the the question with this is, it, it, why do people want that? Because it's simple and easy. Just get them, get rid of them, punch them, punch the Nazis. It's lazy, stupid people thinking. And they're thinking publicly. And they, uh, they represent a, a, a progressive viewpoint with their lazy, stupid thinking. It's not that progressivism and that, that progressive viewpoints are bad. It's that lazy, stupid thinking in applying a progressive viewpoint is bad. It's not even that socialism is bad. I've been thinking a lot about socialism lately in terms of like, what is the point? If, if we get to a certain point and then our, our, heart, our heart stops beating and we, we die... And you you left behind eighteen billion dollars to your kids because you were the ultimate capitalist and you went hog wild. That that's a fool's path. That is a nonsense path. Like why did you do that? Like why didn't you try to use that money, this insane amount of wealth, and have this massive impact on on the populace? Why why didn't you try to figure out some well, way? It would be your choice to right. It wouldn't be your choice to but. What if? And it, and it can be your choice this, to be Bill Gates right now. But what if this Bill Gates is doing that in yeah. a lot of ways with some of the money? Got a lot of fucking money. <laughs> you know, if he throws a million here or there, it really ain't shit for him. He's got like $90 billion, whatever it is. But the point is that things like the fire department, we agree. This is a socialist thing, right? We we're all we chip have public in. utilities. Yes, we have public utilities. We have you know people that parks and recreation, people that are department of fish and wildlife, and you know the, the sheriffs that right. p- patrol our national forests. Like we all chip in to pay for these things. We all agree these are important things. Well, one of the things that was so interesting about Australia is that in certain ways it's a more you know, it's thought of as sort of a macho culture, maybe more masculine, a little bit more conservative than here generally. And yet the left has won there on so many of the major issues that we're fighting. We're killing each other over now. They're very good Universal health care. Yeah. Mandatory 401k. Nine, it's like a $18 minimum wage. Pensions. Four weeks of vacation a year. Like... I think they get maternity leave as well. Like oh, long yeah. Maternity leave. Yeah. It's just um, like so many of the things that here are up for grabs, they already solved. I think 
we have to take two things into consideration. One, um, that they have a small population. Small and homogenous. Yes, and it's an enormous place. You're dealing with a place as large as the contiguous United States of America, but there's only 20 million people. Oh, I'm aware, because when they, they were like, it's crowded in that restaurant. And I was Mike. like, you mean I don't have to wait for an hour to get in? Like, they had no con- They've they never seen a crowd of people. Yeah, <laughs> they don't know what a real crowd is. And also, I think their culture is less constrained by history. Because they came, they were essentially prisoners. I mean, they, they, it's like several right, generations the removed. Exactly. Yeah, but it's not not only that they not indigenous. No, I mean like the non-indigenous population yeah. were prisoners. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, they came from. They were sent there because England didn't want them, and that's literally how the country got founded. Oh yeah, for like stealing a watch. Yeah. Like they were low-level crimes. Well, then they sent them to the much better place. Oh, yeah. Way better. It's you're amazing. The Gold Coast, you're like, holy it's shit. It just takes forever to get yeah, there. Yeah, if you were in Manchester, it's raining every day, and you're like, fuck this place. And you you, you know, you stole a watch, and they shipped you off to the Gold Coast. You'd be like, what? <laughs> what just happened? This is hilarious. Totally. You can fish out here. It's fucking beautiful. They're nice people. And I, I wonder if they're so nice. I feel like they are slightly less nice than Canadians who are way more nice than us. I think that's right. I also think that they have they have it so good that they're a little complacent, and that makes me uh, concerned because China. Okay, right. That's like okay. the big story yeah. there. Yes, yes. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, you know, that is to be considered, but I, I think the United States, first of all, we, we have this momentum of innovation and of ass-kicking and, and, and getting things done and creating things that's so different than any other part of the world. If we took that shit down a notch, I think we'd be okay. You know, I mean, I think we definitely do have to worry about China. And, we, you know, I've been really trying to closely follow all this Huawei stuff where these mm-hmm. executives keep getting arrested. And, you know, it's the close relationship between some tech companies and this communist oh, yeah. government is very confusing. Some people look at over so if you talk to people that are Chinese natives or who have been to China, they almost look at it as a positive. There's less resistance. It's more even though the censorship is open, it's at least you know what you're dealing with over there, as opposed to you know the NSA is spying oh, on us but, but pretending. On. Oh, I don't buy it at all. Uh, yeah, but it's, I've seen some people make that argument. It's horrifying it's weird. to me. It's weird. It's horrifying. Yeah. So I agree, I agree with you. You do have to worry about China. But I think Australia's like, ah, it's fucking Americans take care of it. And that's how they think. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Except like their situation is that they're enormously economic. Uh, they're enormously dependent on China economically. Mm-hmm. And they love having that money. Uh, but they seem to be a little bit like sleepwalking through history and not – at least some people that I, I spoke to. But that's that's yeah. the real – story in Australia is China. Yeah. Well, I think when you're you're not a military might, you know, you're not like one of the big players. You're kind of like sitting back watching cuz what are we going to do? Like what if Australia decides to ramp up its defense budget by, you know, 5000% over the next 10 years and develop a, a crazy arsenal of weapons and super soldiers and shoot them all up with steroids and give them exoskeletons and get ready to go to war, start building bunkers right. and freak the rest of the world out. I mean, that's and take this like North Korea with money approach to the world. 
And if they, what do you mean North Korea with money? Well, North Korea is basically like this scary spot that nobody wants to invade, even though we know that there's a military dictatorship there. They have yeah, because nuclear, they have nuclear weapons. weapons. Yeah, they have nuclear weapons. They have a madman who's in control. They have people that escape with horrific stories. And we have a president yeah. who talks about them as if they're sort of a normal country. Yeah. Well, and the weird thing is like he might be able to sit down with them and actually talk to them as his unconventional approach might actually lead to some sort of communication at least which is better than nothing i guess but but if i don't mean like in north korea like they take over the country and in prison its people i mean like they're they become kind of dangerous and sketchy and small like north korea is not a military dick power like in terms of like the way the soviet union is where they could take over the world but they're scary no but they're untouchable yeah. and that's scary exactly if australia became that then i think we'd have a totally different attitude about australia yeah no australia yeah we don't need, yeah, yeah australia is just laid back and they're like hey americans will take care of it and then <laughs> we're over here building fucking walls and shooting missiles um yeah, I, I would imagine it would be really weird to watch us from afar. You know, if you were paying attention to world politics. They know everything. I mean, everyone I talked to there was like, let's talk about gerrymandering in Virginia. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what? What well, are you saying? It's like, kind of like they obsessively follow what's going on here yeah. in a way that I found kind of amazing. Like genuinely, actually gerrymandering in Virginia. I was like, what? I would move over there. Don't you have news going on every year? A lot, you know, but the answer is sort of no. Yeah, comedians move over there. They move over there and become huge in Australia. <laughs> Shout out to my but friend then, Arj Barker. He's out there. He's huge, gigantic over there. Like a lot of people don't know him here in Australia. He's like, like Jerry Seinfeld. Huge, enormous. Right. Sells out huge auditoriums. But that's because when a giant American celebrity comes over, they're just going to sell out everything because that's no, the only game in town. No, he's not a giant American celebrity. He's an Australian celebrity. Jerry Seinfeld? No, Art oh, Barker. I, oh, I thought we were talking about Jerry Seinfeld. No. I'm like, Jerry uh, Seinfeld's all Joe, the world. I think you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. I know no. you're into like alternative media platforms, no, but no, I think no, people no. know what Seinfeld is. <laughs> no, Arch Barker. I've never heard of him. There you go. So there you go. He's if huge you in were, Australia. When I talk to Australians and they're like, oh, you're a stand-up comedian, you know Arch Barker. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be mad at me. Like Adam Greentree's going to be pissed right That fucking Australian accent's terrible, bro. It is bad. It's not good. I don't even try. Um, but Have you been following the Women's March stuff at all or no? Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. The uh, anti-Semitic stuff. Yeah. 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 Fucking groups. You know, when you have a group, you have a group of people and then you have... But that was a little bit to me uh, related to the what happened at the Lincoln Memorial, right? Where you had these... You know, the leadership of the Women's March, which looked like a Shepherd Fairy poster come to life. Like they were just perfect. You had the Linda Sarsour in her hijab. Explain you had Tamika Mallory. Well, what's going on is that back in August 2017, I wrote a column called When Progressives Embrace Hate. And it was saying, I was super moved by the Women's March, as so many other women I know were. But let's look at some of the very troubling ideas and associations that the people who are in charge, the leadership of the Women's March have. Namely, um, the worst of the worst was um, Tamika Mallory, who had been a gun rights activist beforehand. Um, she called Louis Farrakhan the GOAT, the greatest of all time. She took lots of Instagram pictures. You should check this. But she, you know, praised him. It wasn't like a casual acquaintance. She praised him as the greatest of all time. And yet she was treated to glowing profiles in every women's magazine, uh, her and, and the rest of the leadership. And I basically said, like, let's look past, you know, the Benetton ad 
of these leaders and actually look at what they believe. And what they believe, some of them, is extremely disturbing, especially when it comes to Jews. So I write this column and I'm like pilloried for it by the left. One of the leaders of the Women's March, this woman, Bob Bland, wrote this letter to the New York Times where she calls me. um, It was amazing. I want to find what it was. Oh, she calls me an apologist for the status quo, racist ideology, and the white nationalist patriarchy. Because you responded to someone because who I said, said the greatest of all time is a man who calls Jewish Judaism termites, who calls Jews termites, who calls Judaism a gutter religion, who yeah. says that we should burn in ovens, yeah. and who, by the way, is a misogynist homophobe. Also, the leaders of the Women's March are associating with this guy and had the Nation of Islam security protecting them. I mean, this is like the most sort of retrograde hate group. And yet for calling them out, I was called all of these things. Why do you think that flies? It's a deep question. I think that part of it is the fact that in intersectional left-wing politics, Jews have been whitewashed. Jews are viewed as sort of the white privileged power and part of the white patriarchy unless they genuflect and say, actually, no, we, you know, we abhor our privilege and all of the other things that you're supposed to say. And And there's there's a blindness to the fact. Right. And there's a blindness to the fact that, first of all, not all Jews are white. Half of the Jews in the state of Israel, for example, are Arab and from Arab countries that they were kicked out of in 1948. I mean, the idea that Jews are white is this canard. Although I'm an Ashkenazi Jew, my family's from Eastern Europe. I have white skin. But I don't think of and I have white privilege, but I don't think of myself as a white person. I think of myself as a Jew, first and foremost. So it's a complicated identity. But I think that it's sort of uh, it's whitewashed by these people. And I think that anti-Semitism just isn't taken seriously and doesn't rate because people perceive Jews as having privilege and power in this country, which largely they do. But the fact is, is that the actual statistics show that more hate crimes were committed against Jews in the past year than any other minority group. The FBI is like sounding the alarm every other day in Crown Heights and in other parts of Brooklyn. Random Jews who look Jewish, right, who are Hasidic Jews, are just beaten up for being Jewish. And yet everyone's ignoring that because they're the imperfect victim. Well, they're also very isolated. They're very, they, they're, they have their own tribe. They stick with them. They look different. They dress different. Sure, but yeah. imagine if any other minority group, someone, I mean, we're outraged when we see, at least I am and you are, when we see a police officer assaulting someone. You know, what I'm saying is that a young black they, don't, person. they don't make a big deal to go into the public about it. They keep it almost insulated inside their environment and their, their community. There's also, what I was going to say is, they, these people that are that you you do hear saying anti-Semitic things, they're equating American Jews living in America with the policies of Israel and what Israel's doing with Palestine, and that somehow, if you're an American Jew, even if you're not even political, you're somehow or another complicit with atrocities that are going on between the Jewish people and the Palestinians, or right? Conflict, any kind of conflict, and th- this makes it. It, it reinforces their idea about you being a part of this right, white but privilege they, group. Yes, but they also strawman it and say criticism of Israel isn't anti-Semitic. Yes. No one's saying that criticism is, right. of Israel is anti-Semitic. I criticize Israel all the time. But there's an obsession on the state of Israel. Like if you were an alien that landed from outer space, 
you would think that the greatest oppressor in the world is this tiny state that's the size of New Jersey. These people say nothing about the gen- generally about the genocide of Uyghur Muslims in China. They say nothing about any number. I'm of, not even aware of that. Oh, there's a genocide going on carried out by the government of China against Uyghur Muslims. They're literally being put into concentration camps. This is uh, literally the first I've heard of this. Uh, so Uyghur is spelled what? U-I-G-H-U-R. Where's a what is a good thing to read about the this? New York Times? We've reported on it. It's a it's an enormous story, and it's like the fact that that's getting no that you don't know about it, yeah. and that people obsessively talk about the state of Israel as if it's the and by the way, the state of Israel does lots of things wrong, but the idea that it's among the worst human rights tragedies of our time, are you kidding me? It's insanity. I don't know the reality of what is going on in Gaza. I don't know what is happening with Israel and Palestine. I don't know. So I'm well, not going to be the person that talks about this. But what I do I know... I can send you some stuff to read. What I do know from people that have gone there, like Abby Martin, who came back with some pretty horrific stories, I think there's a lot of terrible shit going on. There's a, a lot of awful violence and there's a lot of despair on the side of the Palestinians. And I don't, I don't know who's to blame for that. But many people blame the Israelis. They blame the Israelis for treating the Palestinians as if they're in this one area of the world that's essentially a large prison. Well, lots to say about this. But I think one of the main problems that we have in the way that Israel is covered is that if you have a camera lens and you're only looking at a tiny piece of land, right? You're only looking at Israel proper, the West Bank and Gaza. Right. Israel, to some extent, is the Goliath in that situation. But if you zoom out your camera just a little, you see that Israel is literally surrounded on all sides by genocidal regimes, like in the form of Hamas in Gaza, whose charter blames the Jews for fomenting the French revolutions, the Russian revolutions, both world wars, and says that it wants to kill all the Jews. That's what that's the government of Gaza right now. I spoke to a mother um, who fled Gaza recently, okay, and her family's house was just destroyed. Who was it destroyed by? Hamas, not Israel. You never hear those stories. So I'm just saying it is a very complicated politics, but when you see people obsessively focusing on this one state and the crimes of this one state to the exclusion of actual dictatorships in the world who are killing their own people. You have to be suspicious of that. You do have to be suspicious. And you do have to be aware of their position in the world surrounded by Arab states. And you, you do have to realize that they are, you know, they're, they're alone out there. Yes. You, you also, I do wonder, what is the motivation for so many people focusing on Jews? What is it? Like, what do you think it is as a Jewish person? What do you think the motivation for this kind of racism and discrimination against Jews and why is it tolerated? Why, why can someone like Louis Farrakhan tweet that the Jews are termites and his Twitter account stays up? Well, it's the oldest hatred in the world, right? A lot of but it. Is that what it is? No, no, no. You're asking me why is it still with us? It's like the mystery of history. Right. Like that is, that is deep. I mean, that is something that goes back to the New Testament. Mm. Okay, the Jews were blamed in the book of John and Mark. I mean, we could go to Matthew for the death of Jesus. Their role in that story 
at least according to some of the books, is that they convinced the most powerful empire at the time, the Roman Empire, in the form of the governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate, to kill the son of God. That becomes sort of the template for the anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. There's there's a confusion about what anti-Semitism is, right? It's not just a hate. It's not just like this hate of a group. Racists perceive themselves as punching down against a group that's lesser. Anti-Semites perceive themselves as punching up against mm. the secret cabal of wily operators who secretly control the levers of power. That is the canard of anti-Semitism. And that begins with this group that's able somehow to get the Roman Empire to kill Jesus. Now, the Catholic Church disavows this in 1965, uh, which was you know, an enormous historical event. But that template is still there. And you see it play out, right, in who, who led us into the war in Iraq. Ah, it was the Jews of the Bush administration. You can see it play itself mm. out all over the place. And right now, in the demonology of current uh, contemporary anti-Semitism, Israel has sort of been made into the Jew among the nations. You're not allowed to say anymore, it, like the old school anti-Semitism, right? Like I grew up in a place where there were some country clubs where Jews couldn't go into them. That, frankly... That's not dangerous. What's dangerous is the kind of anti-Semitism that says, you know, this one state in the world of all of the almost 200 states, that's the one that doesn't have the right to exist. That's the one that should be dismantled. That's actually dangerous to Jewish lives right now. It is. Um, it's an unusual group in that it is both a religion and a tribe. Yes. It makes us very hard to understand in the contemporary landscape because we are not just a religion. There's nothing else like it because most nope. Jews that I know do not practice Judaism. But right. They and consider yet they, themselves Jews. Yes, because yeah. we were a peoplehood before we were yeah. a religion. Yeah. Religion is a very contemporary modern thing that Jews are sort of slotted into and it makes us easier to understand. But then our, our sort of national identity or our peoplehood, our tribalism is left out. And that's yeah. an essential part of who the Jews are. My friend Ari Shafir, who's a fantastic stand-up comedian, he's a rabid atheist, but he's also very Jewish. And he has a, a new hour that he's working on right now that he's going to film called Jew. Really? And he's an atheist. <laughs> I want to see it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. But he's, you know, he's a perfect example. But it is a also, tribe. It's not just a religion. But it's also because the Jewish religion itself, the emphasis is, the emphasis is not on what you believe. The emphasis is is on deeds. It almost doesn't matter what you believe. It matters that you follow halakha, which is Jewish law. It, it matters your deeds. It matters all these things. So it's possible to be a good Jew mm -hmm. and not really think about God that much, which is very strange, I understand, to Christian ears. Right. Or you go full Ben Shapiro, where he's both a good Jew and very much like follows the whole deal. Where he follows yarmulke, the whole deal. The whole deal. Um, why do you think... But I, I think... Sorry, can I say one no, more please, thing? No, please, please. I just find it, like, kind of astonishing, the blindness to this, because imagine a leader of the Women's March said something like, you know, I think Louis C.K. is the greatest comedian of all time, even though I disavow X, Y, and Z thing that he did. How fast till that person was kicked out of the leadership of the Women's March? It would be, like, minutes, hours. Yes. I think there are certain things that get people outraged and other much worse things that do not. And I'm fascinated by why that is. Do you think that if it was a white person that had this opinion about the Jews, that it would be 
more scrutinized. I think that it is much easier to fight anti-Semitism when it comes in the form of Richard Spencer. Yes. Yes. Because then there's liberal consensus, right? Yes. About him. He's and there's also you have a green light to criticize. Yeah. It's very. It is much harder when when an ant- exactly. It's much harder when. Someone like Ilhan Omar, the new freshman senator, uh, sorry, not senator, the new freshman congresswoman from Minnesota, who's like this incredible American dream story, comes here at 12 years old, refugee from Somalia, wears a hijab, is a mother, is the first woman of color representing Minnesota. Like, obviously, I want to cheer her. That's my reaction to her. And yet she has this tweet that she refused to apologize for, where she says, Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah awaken the world to the evil doings of Israel. I'm sorry, that's a classically anti-Semitic trope, even if she said it unwittingly. And by this point, she should have known. She should educate herself. So it's very, it's much harder um, to it's criticize also, that. But it's it's an untenable position to say that you can't criticize someone for their ideas because of their identity. It also seems it's a, like, like a road to nowhere. If you're going to say that, that is a very vague thing to say. You should be incredibly specific. If you want to say it's evil, you should say what's evil and then open that up to some sort of a discussion or debate. But ascri- what is evil? But ascribing a supernatural general, evil right. powers to right. a state is very much recalling classic anti-Semitic canards. Right. So that, I, re- I wrote a piece about this today trying to like explain that to people. Yes. Because I she went on piece. CNN saying, I don't know how Jewish Americans could be offended by this, which I think is incredible. Yeah. What do you think if I mean, if you want to be objective as I mean, step outside of your Jewish identity, what do you think is wrong with how Israel is dealing with the Palestinian situation? Because this is the big criticism of Israel, the only criticism, really, that's the big one. The big one is Gaza and Palestine. So what do you think they're doing wrong? Palestine, meaning the West Bank? Yes. Well, I would say what the untenable position that they're in is that they are occupying another people. That is what is going on in the West Bank. And I've been there many times, met with many Palestinians. I've really educated myself on this. The problem is, is that, and by the way, it's not all of Palestine. There's, sorry, all of the West Bank, there's areas A, B, and C. It's a really, like, we'd have to pull up a map. It's a pretty complicated thing. There are places where it's much more autonomous uh, and the PA is in charge. And it, it really varies depending on the area. So the big criticism, right, is that they're occupying another people, and that is corrosive to the state of Israel sort of morally, like to, to occupy another people. On the other hand, what happens if they pull out of the West Bank tomorrow, right? I'm for a two-state solution, ultimately ending the occupation. But if I'm real, I have to be honest about what that would look like. Well, what it looked like in Gaza is that now you have a terrorist statelet right at the border, which is ruled by Hamas. It is quite likely that that very same thing could happen in the West Bank. Now, let's say we actually should pull up a map. Okay. Let's, let's say Israel does that. Then, like, the whole of Israel proper is something like, we have to look, two miles wide? Here we see it. We actually, yeah, we should look at the, the distance between, like, Tulkarim or, like, the end of the West Bank and Netanya or Tel Aviv. And you see how small that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to even conceive of it. If you're in charge of protecting the security of the people who live in places, which, by the way, 10 years ago, when the year after high school, when I was living there, there were suicide bombings blowing up in cafes around the corner from where I lived. Are you going to 
subject those people to that risk? I mean, that's the that's the actual question facing the government of Israel, which, by the way, I'm extremely critical of. And if I lived in Israel, I'd be voting, you know, center left in Israel for sure. But that is what they're facing. And then if you zoom out and you pull up a map of all of the countries around it, I just want like, look. No, it's okay. Actually, the one you were on was good because it showed if you zoomed out, it had everything. So you have Egypt there, then you have Jordan, which is teetering, then you have Syria, then you have Lebanon and Hezbollah's on the the southern border of Lebanon, which is constantly, which, you know, so that's the, the real thing. So when people talk about this fantasy of why can't it just look like America? Why can't there just be a democratic one state solution? First of all, no one there wants it. They pull people constantly. But the second thing is like, is that really what that's going to look like if we dismantle the state of Israel? Or is it going to look like enormous bloodshed, the likes of which we see in a lot of these countries surrounding it. Like, someone once said to me that if you want to know the word for, you know, a Jew without a military, it's the Yazidis. Okay, it's the Yazidis. It's the people, it's the minorities in the Middle East who have been absolutely destroyed and overrun. And this is like, it's, I don't think when Americans talk about this part of the world, they fully appreciate the sort of absolutely painful and hard decisions and the grappling with violence, really. You know, what happened to Jamal Khashoggi in that Saudi embassy, that's like normative for this part of the world. So the fact that Israel has somehow, with all of its flaws, managed to eke out a Western-style liberal democracy, frankly, the only place where you and I would feel happy and comfortable living, like, why are we never talking about that? Well, I think it's very difficult for people to find the forum to discuss it the way you just did and to, to really lay it out in cold, stark reality. What is the solution? What is the solution? I mean, is, a, is there it, is no magic. The solution right. right now is to do everything possible to build up the Palestinian economy to for Israel to build relationships like right now it has a very very positive relationships with Egypt which gave back the Sinai which it had won in the 6 day 6 day war i believe gave it back to Egypt for a cold peace which it's had it has a good relationship of all things who would have thought with Saudi Arabia because of their common enemy Iran i mean things shift there rapidly um, but but as for the Palestinians the solution is to build up the economy make life better and support people and movements inside the West Bank that are genuinely nonviolent. And those people exist. It's just, frankly, oftentimes they're murdered by groups like Hamas and their bodies are dragged through the streets. If you're accused of being an Israeli collaborator in the West Bank, you know what happens to you? You're lynched. No one talks about that. No, no one does talk about that. Would would you be open to discussing this in this sort of a forum with that woman from the Women's March? Uh, sure. Do you it, think she would do something like that? I don't know. I'd be open to it. Do you think that people like her have ever had a conversation with someone like you who could lay it out I'm that not, way? No, because I think that, first of all, many people who talk about this issue have sort of exported American domestic politics to a foreign region of the world, like in a way that this is talked about a lot. It's like the oppressor, the oppressed, the white, the black. No, mm. that's not what's going on. I don't think people understand when they talk about Israeli Jews that half of them are Middle Eastern, 
Like half of Israeli Jews are Arab. Mm. You know, there's no appreciation of that reality. They think that Israel was just founded, you know, to save the remnant of the Jews who weren't destroyed in the Holocaust. And yeah, it helped for those who survived. But then once the state of Israel was established, there was a mass exodus of the Jews from all of the Arab countries where they had been living as second-class citizens, where they were either self-deported because they were living as second-class citizens or they were expelled. Again, that exodus, that deportation, never talked about. I would be happy to talk about this with someone from the Women's March. What is the what is the response currently? Like, what 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 is the the current position that most people are taking about that woman and about the Women's March in general because of these things, because of these anti-Semitic statements? I think a lot of people in the past few weeks, thanks in part to Meghan McCain, had five minutes on the View with Tamika Mallory and Bob Land, and she did an amazing job grilling them on this. Imagine that the View. The view it, is what's changed, but it's I, crazy. But it's amazing. Yeah, it I know, amazing. but she did an amazing job yeah. because, because, frankly, because their image was so powerful in the same way that the image of the Lincoln Memorial was so powerful. Right. Journalists just sort of accepted it and Pink didn't interrogate them. Pink hats, 500,000 exactly. people in the streets. Who doesn't want right. to support that? But right. it's our job to be skeptical and, and criticize. Right. So I think finally a lot of people woke up to it. Um, But again, I wrote that column in August 2017, and it took until now. Everything in that column is the thing people are talking about. There was also an amazing 10,000-word expose in Tablet Magazine, a Jewish online magazine, that did a lot of that work. So I think it did reach a tipping point. The thing that is – I see a lot of my friends on the left who are Jewish grappling with is that they so desperately want to be a part of these movements that they're willing to sort of check – their identity at the door in order to gain entry. And my thing is any progressive movement that's asking you to check your Jewish identity at the door, your full Jewish identity, which is acknowledging that we're not just a faith, but we're a people. We're not just people that like have matzah ball soup or something bigger than that. That's not a space I want to be a part of. They would never ask that of any other group. Why us? Well, why? Why do they ask that? That, that, that's what the real question is. I it doesn't really make think, any sense. Well, no, I think a lot of it goes back to what I was saying before, which is this misunderstanding. If you see the world in an intersectional way, okay, not as intersectionality was originally meant to be, but how it functions in the world. It functions as a caste system. And the higher you are on the victim scale, at least on the left, and it's reverse on the right, right? On the right, it's like white cisgendered men are at the top. On the left, they're at the bottom. And the Jews are somewhere close down to there, at least in the way that the left, the left, I mean, this part of the left we're talking about, Mm. the fringe, at least for now, perceive the Jews to be. The woke left. Yeah. The Jews are not, the Jews don't rate. The Jews don't have a place in that victim scale because they've achieved so much success, because Mm. they can pass as white, because of any number of things. And so... I think that that's a huge reason for it, which is a huge reason why I think intersectionality is a dead end and why we need to be talking about ideas and not identity, right? Like that, that is the thing about America that is so amazing. And like, I know it sounds cheesy, but I really feel it that makes us so special. We are not a country based on blood and soil. We are a country whose national common identity is based on ascribing to a common set of ideas. That is what we're about. 
And so any politics that's insisting from the left or the right that no, actually what we are is this warring set of groups competing for scarce resources. Absolutely not. To me, those kinds of politics are un-American. I couldn't agree more in terms of identity. I think identity politics and the idea that you belong to a group is so intoxicating but so dangerous. It's, it's so important to treat people as individuals. It's so important to think of yourself as an individual. And this, this need to become a part of this group and a signal to that group is a big part of the problem that we're having right now. And it doesn't mean that you can't have pride. Like, I have tremendous pride, the most, in being a Jew. I, I, like, Jonathan Haidt talks so brilliantly about good identity politics and bad identity politics mm. that good identity politics says walk with me in my shoes. It's like a big tent sort of thing. It says, come along with me while I explain to you my experience in the world. Bad identity politics says, you can never escape the gender, the racial, the economic lane you were born into, and Mm. don't even try and understand me because you couldn't possibly. That's bad identity politics. And I think that that's in force and rising right now in the country. And I think that that's dangerous. And I've been thinking about it a lot because it's Martin Luther King Day. And he said this like unbelievable thing about um, I think it's actually in the I Had a Dream speech, but where he talks about the the promissory note of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, right, that these people who wrote it, who were slave owners, didn't even know that in writing it, that every American was going to fall heir to this promissory note. And it's like he saw himself, even in documents that were written by people who would not have seen him as fully human, as a way of sort of using that common set of values, those common documents to like write himself into the story. Like that is an example of, a, of, of inclusive identity politics and like calling on the thing that we have in common to widen the tent. And I just don't see a lot of that happening these days. I really butchered that, but everyone should look up. No, you didn't. No, I I did. If you look up, Jonathan Haidt gave a speech. Um, I think you can find the whole text of it at City Journal. Um, But if you just look up Jonathan Haidt, Good Identity Politics, Martin Luther King, he does an amazing job. It's it's, it's really moving. His book, uh, The Happiness Hypothesis, I'm I'm in the middle of it right now. It's so good. It's so fantastic. It's so crucial for people that want to understand their own personal biases and what's causing it. He's amazing. He's amazing. He was on here last week. I saw it. I thought he was incredible. Yeah, he is. Um, The the idea of having pride in something is uh, is interesting, right? Um, You know, there's a lot of people that have pride for their ethnicity, although they had nothing to do with, with choosing it. It's just something that they're born with. Um, I think people get nervous about that kind of pride, but I think there should be a set like it would be wonderful if we could keep all of these cultures and yet all appreciate each other as equals. It would be wonderful if you could go and eat Ethiopian food one day or Cuban food the next day, and they, these people exist. In well, these you small, can. That's the beauty right, of right, this right country. Right now, you can. Right now, you can. <laughs> But as we get more and more homogenized, I wonder if you will be able to. Wait, more homogenized or more insistent on you have to stay in your lane? Um, There's both both things. I think we're we're definitely cooking off the bacteria as well. We're you know (laughs) homogenization is where we're we're making things safer and easier for everybody. And uh, you know, there's some messinesses. There's messiness to to cultures exchanging with each other but, but it's, it's so also exciting. fantastic like, it's very exciting i have to say i loved australia but when i get off that plane and i land at like as shitty as they are jfk or laguardia and i see like 
every kind of human being on the planet, yes. you know? And like I walk every day from, I live, um, I live in Manhattan and I walk to work like yeah. there and back every day. It just helps me decompress. And the kind of like the diversity of people on the sidewalk of Midtown Manhattan is amazing. Like I find it to be the most exciting thing in the world. And the fact that we're able to live among such difference and not kill each other. What's well, one of the problems with Los Angeles? Is what? Driving. You don't have that. Yeah. Oh, you don't have that? People or you drive. Yeah. They, they're isolated. I love it here, but that's why I couldn't live here. Well, no one walks. Everyone's locked in together in their car. They stay in their neighborhood. Then they drive out to go somewhere else. And they don't in- interact with each other. On the street, one of the things about the subway and one of the things about walking on the street is everybody's together. Everyone's together. And there's this, this interesting melting pot of human beings that exist in New York. It doesn't exist anywhere else in that form. Like Boston is so much more white. It's so much more. I mean, there's a lot of ethnicities, and but it's it's not the same. New York is fucking flavorful. There's the a best. lot of shit going on. There's a lot of great parts to it. It's also I, I, the what concerns me is that people in New York are uniquely hostile, and then I always feel are like, we? Yeah, for sure. I was are you not experiencing you, me that not way? You, you're very nice. Um, but a lot of people that I'm even friends with from New York, I'm like, you motherfuckers are stacked on top of each other too much. <laughs> you like you you don't people aren't unique. Like, Although, to be fair, I'm from Pittsburgh, so you might be getting that uh, okay. like Midwestern flavor. I bet that's exactly what it is. Pittsburgh's different. A little more relaxed. Less people. You have to count little, on each other yes. more. And fucking snow gets you. You know, it gets rough out there. You know, it's not like uh, you're, you're not in a city the same way. It's not. You got to drive places. It's different. You know, that is very Midwesty. Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh's very Midwest. Pittsburgh's the best. Nice place. I like Pittsburgh. But New York, I love New York, but New York always makes me feel like when you have that many people slammed on top of each other, you're in this completely unnatural environment that literally has never existed in human nature up until a few hundred years ago. It never happened like that. And now it's unprecedented because there's more and more people there. They're just buzzing and they're putting these buildings up where you got a hundred floors. My friend Jim Norton talks about it all the time because he lives in a building. He goes, I don't know a fucking person in my building. There's a thousand people in this building. I could never live in a building like that. I could ah. never live in a high rise building. It freaks me out too much. So what do you, what do you live in? Like, like a, a brown- small walk, you know, yeah, you know, brownstone. I live that's, in a fifth floor walk up. <laughs> yeah, that's a good move. That's a good move. I mean, the walk up sucks, but the, yeah. the but knowing your neighbor, like I, yeah. I also think as an intellectual, freak me out. as an intellectual, like as a person like yourself, I think it's incredibly important to to experience this. Uh, there's an exchange of of cultures and of thought thought in New York that you just don't get. You don't get on the West Coast. It's also not entertainment based. There's a frivolousness to the the thought process out here that's flavored by the desire for fame. It's unavoidable. Yeah. But the one thing I'll say is that yeah, it's important for that, and I find it so energizing. New York, all the reasons you said. But I also have to force myself to get out of the bubble. You know, mm. like I go home to Pittsburgh, and I hear a lot more oftentimes political and intellectual diversity than I hear. Sometimes in a week in New York. Right, because everyone's left. Most people. Everyone in New and York. Most of my friends are. Yeah. Not everyone. Not but, everyone in New but York. Most. There's conservative people in New York, obviously. But most. It's, it's and that's a certainly super, normative. super left leaning city. But As then you is go to Los Pittsburgh Angeles. and like it's like, oh, people believe yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. You know, my mom was the one who told me that Trump was gonna win. Whoa. <laughs> because she for her business, we live in like Squirrel Hill, my family. We went I was bat mitzvah in the synagogue that was um, shot up. So that's where we live in Squirrel Hill, in the Jewish neighborhood. But my mom, for her work, has to drive like two or three hours out of the city. 
And during, you know, the campaign, she would every everyone I knew thought Hillary was going to win, including me. And she called me and said, Barry, you would not believe like the homemade signs like there are giant homemade signs on this uh, on the side of people's like houses and barns that are enormous that took them many hours to make. There's a passion for him that I don't think people are fully appreciating. Like I didn't see that. Mm. Everyone I knew was voting for Hillary Clinton. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it's like for you out here. It's the same. It's, this was, I mean, it's incredibly, not, not only is it incredibly left-leaning, but is also the entertainment aspect of it where people have to signal the fact that they're left. So they go out of their way to project this image of being progressive on top of being progressive. It's, it's almost critical to your job. You know, you have to, you have to show everybody you can out-progressive the people around you. But then you. Did, in secret, do they tell you what they really think? Because you're like a safe person? No, no. No, not those people. The people that are like, man, I don't like her, but he's such a piece of shit. I'm going to vote for her anyway. That was more common. Mm -hmm. The thing was, we like socially, people appreciate the the Democrats and the left because they feel like socially. In terms of like, here's a perfect example: when Barack Obama was a president, you know, people can criticize his policies and the whistleblower, uh, the the fact that you know he cracked down on whistleblowers and the fact that there was more innocents killed by drone strikes and all that stuff. Is there's certainly some no one's per it's an impossible job. No one's perfect as a president, but what he did do was he represented, first of all, he represented the fact that a minority, uh, an African-American who was born from a single mother, can somehow or another rise to be the president of the United States and be incredibly well-spoken and measured and calm and just seems to know how to carry himself and makes us feel like someone better than us is in a position mm -hmm. of power. And it also... I feel like there was a lot of racism from from horrible white people that looked at him in a terrible way and saw this black person trying to destroy America. But way more people that aren't racist go, huh, look at that. You can't have an African-American president. Look at this. Like, we're getting better. Like, that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. I felt like we're getting better, like mm -hmm. culturally, the way the way we communicate. Um, we don't have that right now. And we didn't have that with her. No. What, what she didn't, what she represented was same old thing. The thing that's been fucking you and the reason why your family lost the farm and the reason why, and this Donald Trump's going to come in here and he's going to clean up the swamp. And when he came out with that drain the swamp and, you know, lock her up, build that wall, he boiled it down so that the, the people that don't have the time or the inclination to really deep dive into their own personal biases, to their own objective reasoning, and find out what is it, why do I think the way I think? If the people that don't have that thought, all that build that wall shit was perfect. Right. Line it up. And that's most folks. Most folks don't have the time. Most folks work all day. They're tired. They have a family. They probably have a hobby. They don't have the fucking time. You are a person who thinks for a living. You think and write for a living. You're constantly involved. Well, one thing I'm seeing when I ask you about like, like people people telling you their secret thought crimes, yeah, I am noticing, and in a weird way, this gives me kind of a hope. There is a big gap between people's public personas of the politics that they preach, and then what they really think and what they'll say around a kitchen table. Yeah, and a lot of them are experiencing what I call what I think about as like second woke, like they're seeing the poverty or the flaws in the woke worldview and yes. that there are holes with it 
but they're kind of too scared to say that out loud because they know it'll be a loss of friends and social capital and everything else. But I, those people talk to me a lot. Those right. people send me emails a lot. And oftentimes they're people with platforms who don't want to lose their audience. Yes. And I find that somewhat hopeful. I find it somewhat hopeful too, but I all, but they have to nut, nut up. Yes. <laughs> like, like come like out, that. nut, nut up. up. <laughs> I'm it, on Rogan. I figured yes. I'd say something like That's that. That's it. Say nut <laughs> up. It's a good way. But you're right that the thought process behind nutting up is exactly what they need to do. Like what's, and if more people did it, I think you'd realize like, wow, we're kind of surrounded. It's almost like, <sighs> well, what, okay. What I think about my, like, I am never the smartest person in any room. I'm not brilliant. I promise you. Probably the smartest no, person in this room. No. Mm, I don't know. You Jamie don't know hasn't Jamie. talked. Trust me. What makes me, <laughs> the only reason I'm sitting here is that I have like slightly more courage than most people and that I'm willing to say what I think to hell with pissing some people off or losing some friends that weren't really my friends. Most people aren't willing to do that, actually. Well, what I like about your writing and what I like about talking to you today is that you represent reason and well-thought-out opinions. And those two things are very rare. Well-thought-out opinions are way more rare, in my opinion, than what you usually get. What you usually get is a conglomeration of opinions that seem to make sense per peripherally or casually. They have a, a veneer of logic to them. You're like, I'll go with that because I don't have the time. Because most people don't have the time. Well, going back to Israel, I know we're probably, are we wrapping up? No. Going back to Israel for one second, it's become like a pillar, right? It's like, okay, if you're on the left, I believe in, you know, criminal justice reform, like any number of things. Oh, and by the way, Israel's bad. Like it became one of those things that most people don't really think about. Right, right. And like, I think it's really important to think about things issue by issue and not just be like, yep, signing up for this whole slew of policies and views on things when actually some of those things don't go together at all. Well, one thing in the woke left you're not allowed to do is criticize the more repressive aspects of Islam. You're not allowed to. You don't do it. If you bring up anything, it becomes Islamophobic. And even if it's homophobic thought, if, if, if the ideas are homophobic or if women have to wear restrictive clothing, all any any of the things that are incredibly commonplace, mm -hmm. you are not allowed to criticize those because those fall into a protected category. I remember when I first ran into this in college when um, we were talking, I was in a conversation with other feminists and I definitely consider myself a feminist about female genital mutilation. And I encountered for the first time a species that I've come to know well, which is feminists who sort of defend female genital mutilation on the grounds of cultural relativism. Who are we Whoa. to judge? And I remember just like, I did not get over the shock of that. You shouldn't get for, over the shock. I'm not. That. that is fucking terrifying. I mean, that is, look, I'm a, a outspoken, r rabid critic of circumcision. I think it's disgusting. I think it's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. But at least your dick still works. <laughs> the idea that someone tried to c equate circumcision and female genital mutilation, a, a person on the left did, when I talked about it recently. Who? Some fucking asshole online. I don't remember who it was. But, wow. you know, I, I didn't even I didn't even exchange. I just, I just, I read it and I went, 
their their vagina doesn't work the same way anymore. Do you understand that you can't have an orgasm anymore? Exactly. You're cutting off a woman's clitoris to not because of cleanliness or any fucking weird logic that they're using today to try to justify circumcision. Way worse. You're you're doing it to try to eliminate pleasure because you don't want the woman to leave. It's the same reason why you want to cover her up with some crazy. But why Garb are ex- but why are we show her skin. why are we hearing the women, the leaders of the women's march talk about say I don't know honor killings female genital mutilation restricted you know, forced, clothing forced marriage for 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 right. girls children children yeah no instead they're talking about BDS in Israel I don't get it I'd I, love to ask someone about that also I, have you been to Israel no I have not I want to take you. Uh-oh. Say yes. <laughs> I would go. <laughs> yes. I would go. I would go. I would certainly go. Um, I got to bring Ari, though. He'll translate. Okay. Is that he the guy with people. Jew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's a good cool. friend. Um, and uh, he loves to travel, too. So he'd be down in a heartbeat. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, wh- why, why is it that... Do you think that... Th- here's, here's a better way for him. Do you think there's too many things to pay attention to? Yes. Ter- yeah. It's not just worldwide. I feel that myself. Yeah. But even in terms of like left versus right and in, in these positions, like I, I often talk to people about gun control and, um, and th- when people find out that I own guns and that, that I'm not entirely in favor of Second Amendment being repealed, one thing that drives me crazy is they want to always bring up school shootings, mass shootings, all these different things, which I agree are a horrific, terrible uh, occurrence in our culture and is happening in this insanely frequent way. And it doesn't make sense. What people don't want to talk about is that almost all those people are on psych medication. Almost all of them. Right. Now, correlation does not equal causation. Them being on the psych medicine might be the same reason why they're shooting up schools in the first place. They're they're incredibly. But the fact damaged. that you could be mentally unwell and legally buy a gun is insane. It's insane. That's actually agreed. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I know. I know you agree. A hundred percent. Not not only do I think that you should. Then here's the question: Who are who is the person to decide? And this is the what the NRA would say. And this is what uh, pro Second Amendment people would say. Who are you to decide whether or not someone is healthy enough or well enough to own a gun? And does a person who is on antidepressants or a person who has psychological problems not have the ability to defend themselves if they have never exhibited violence? So here's the problem. A lot of these motherfuckers, they don't exhibit violence until they break, until they pop, and then they go shoot up a school. Sometimes there's threats like Adam Lanza or a couple other ones where the FBI comes and visits them and they talk to them or the guy in Colorado where they knew he was like hanging on by a string. But like the guy in Pittsburgh, you know, he was on that... Gab, which I think is like a far right, or it's definitely used by the far right. It's used by the far right. Okay. The problem is when you have no restriction whatsoever, and you have restriction on all these other ones, right? If you you say something anti-Semitic or racist on Twitter, they will ban you. If you do it on Facebook, they'll ban you. And Gab is committed one hundred percent to free speech. I've I've read things the owners of Gab have said about this, and that they're they're very steadfast in their support for freedom of speech because they think what I said earlier that the best way to ensure that good ideas get through is to not suppress bad ideas, but to combat them with better ideas. All I was going to say is that the guy who shot up was the synagogue Gab. in Pittsburgh yeah. was 
saying the most horrific things about the kike infestation in and the country. And you can get away with that on Gab. And that's that's where the question is, well, should s- someone like Roku pull Alex Jones? Should they take off uh, you I know, think that this right is a real question. Like as someone who finds myself on, you know, the free making the free speech argument a lot, I think it's something that we really really have to grapple with. It it really it's almost like we're dealing with crude tools. Like we're trying to perform surgery with hatchets. Like, like, fuck, man. Like, yeah, there is, how do you get to but, those people and have that discussion with all those people? But this is, I mean, in terms of there being too much to, to talk about and cover, that's where I do think that things like the New York Times can make a real contribution. Because we, like, there are adults in the room deciding what the important news is that you should pay attention to. Yes. In theory, at least. Well, no, I, I, I wholeheartedly <laughs> and like, agree. You know... You're going to learn about the genocide of the Uyghur Muslims in the New York Times. Like, if you really read the New York Times every day, you're going to know a lot about the world and you're going to understand that the government shutdown is a bigger deal than what happened on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. If you're just trolling through Twitter, which is how, like, every person I know, or Twitter or Snapchat or whatever, like my youngest sister, how she gets her news, you're not going to necessarily know that. That's a real problem. It is. I, I don't know how to solve it. Um, Other than tell people to subscribe to newspapers, which still have some standards and which still, when they make a mistake, correct the mistake. How many of those are left? There's a few. Yeah. Um, I work at one of them. You work at one of them. You definitely do. I mean, look, I I said something to someone from the New York Times online uh, after uh, an article that they wrote about a fight. There was a, a boxing match between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. Where I Conor saw it. McGreg- it was a great fight. Floyd Mayweather schooled him. Um, but the end, it said that Conor McGregor's face was swollen and bleeding, and he was knocked through the ropes. And uh, I, I said, you can't say that, because everybody saw the fight. That didn't happen. In this crazy time where everybody is crying out for fake news, you can't say his face was covered in blood when there was no blood. You can't say that. Like, don't do that. Was it corrected? It was corrected, which there is so go. rare. But it's actually not like we correct things yes. all the time. Right. But how do you stop it from happening in the first place? It's how do you really stop that hard. First one? Well, no, the first one is really hard. I mean, it's blood. No, no, no. Blood when it doesn't no, exist. No, no, no. When I'm sa- sorry, when I'm saying it's really hard, what I mean is journalists just shouldn't make mistakes like that. Right. But we do. The difference with the New York Times and any number of these other places is that we say we made a mistake yes. and we correct. Well, it's hyperbole. That matters. Right. Yeah, it's, it's purple just, prose. It's like right. someone having getting ahead of themselves, having a little too much fun. I don't yeah. remember that article. Well, it wasn't. I don't necessarily think it's getting ahead. I mean, it's fiction. They, they applied fiction to an actual sport event, which I thought was bizarre. But, but they corrected but, it. They did correct it. Well, here's what's important. What's important is you can at least get a better version of the facts there than you can anywhere else. Yes, and I, I guess there's some people in the new media landscape that I see, and I don't know if it's because they want to sort of gin up their own audiences or what, like nihilistically getting on, like using Trumpist language to describe the press. What they don't see, what they don't, I think what they don't understand is that the loss of trust in the press is a symptom of the loss of trust in lots of public institutions. The WHO, you know, the World Health Organization just came out with this terrifying report where like one of the top 10 threats to health in, I think, the country, you should, we should look this up, is people who aren't getting vaccines. 
people who think vaccines cause autism and are not getting vaccines. The stakes of like loss of trust in public institutions doesn't just mean like you're going to like hurt the New York Times bottom line. It's like a threat to all of our health, like quite literally. Right. You know, I see these things as being very, very connected. So when I see people gleefully celebrating like the fake news of the New York Times, I'm like, do you have a better alternative right now? You know, right. that's what I'm thinking. Not you, but no. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. I, I, like, I, think I don't understand right. why anyone would celebrate that. I think it falls into what we were talking about before, that it's a, an easily digestible ideology that you can just subscribe to. It's a conglomeration of preformed opinions and you lock in and you start saying fake news. And, and this is and it's also it's exacerbated by this situation that we find ourselves in where people aren't really buying newspapers anymore. You have to get people to subscribe. You know, I subscribe to several. Um, on my phone and on my computer, and that's how I digest things now, or uh, an iPad. When you you think about what they have to do to get those clicks, you know, and you see these weird, like, I look, this is not a knock on Forbes. I think Forbes is an excellent periodical. They're great. They, they, they write some really important stuff. But almost every month, they will write this super clickbaity thing about cell phones. Like, it comes with a nasty surprise. The new Galaxy S10 has a nasty surprise. And it's so unimaginative. <laughs> Is it always nasty? Use... Yes, yes. Look, see if you can find how many nasty surprise articles really? about iPhones and I, uh, iPads. I see about video games and stuff a lot, yep. too. They, they have, like, a contributor network that people are just allowed to write articles on. And how, uh, how they allow right. that. that. Like, remember Huffington Post used to have that, too? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that fucking stuff is so dangerous. Because as soon as people lose their trust that you are unbiased and you're giving them an objective perspective on exactly what's going on as soon as that i mean it might be nothing when it comes to galaxy s10s or whatever the fuck the, they're talking about this has a nasty surprise <laughs> but but it it flavors your perspective on news of course it does and, and these people are fighting for their life journalists and people and contributors to these websites and news and newspapers are fighting for their life because Everything is dropping off. The revenues are down. The revenues are dropping. And then, like, what's, what takes their place? What takes their place? Bloggers? Who's, who's looking at them? Are you, are you sure that they have journalistic ethics and standards that are like what we would expect from... They don't. They don't. No. Right. They don't have to. And this brings you to the Infowars info thing, right? Yeah, I've just if been thinking about that. That's a If he's a journalist. No, he's definitely not a journalist. Well, but it's this, not a question about right, that. This is, but this is what people are fighting about. This is this is the whole shebang. Like if if some of that news that you're getting in these traditional venues is fake, it is dangerous. If any of it is clickbaity, if any of it is deceptive, I could not agree with you more. It's fucking dangerous, especially because we have a president who attacks the press as the enemy. Like, let's not forget the context we're operating in. Yes, you know we have Trump calling us the enemy of the people. So crazy. Like. The, the, the lack of understanding of and how he's driven some people insane. Yeah, you know for sure, they were easy to drive insane though. Let's be honest, there's a lot of dummies out there. That's part of the problem. It's just it's so easy to prod a certain group, and they're like, I'm I'm gonna do something about this. This is this is the danger. This is what you have to worry about. The people that they and again they're signaling too. They're signaling to the far right. They're signaling to those people. 
I know a lot of people like that. Not that it would you know shoot people, but I know a lot of people that are signalers, that like far right signalers. Like they'll see things, and I've I've talked to people that are, I hope Trump wins because we got to put a stop to all this nonsense. What's and, the nonsense? Well, it's progressive nonsense. The idea of socialist like Bernie Sanders going to come along and take all your money. We're struggling, hardworking Americans. We got to put America first. Put America first. It's just lack of understanding about the complexity of the entire landscape. The entire landscape in terms of economics, the entire landscape in terms of international politics, all of it, all the above, the the war machine, the entire the the, the lack of understanding about the military industrial complex, and the influence that it has, the lack of understanding about the bankers, about how few people went to jail after the fucking crazy economic collapse that we just recovered from. What? When I mean, have you, have you, have you seen Inside Job? You seen that documentary? No. It's an amazing documentary, but it's all about the financial it? collapse. Uh, pull that up. Find out. Uh, I watched it. It's from 2000. I want to say 10, 11, but it's so sobering when you have this guy who's an economics, a real true economics expert questioning these people who, in many cases, they're uh, economics professors at major universities who give uh, advice. Okay, 2010, I was right. Charles Ferguson, that was a gentleman. He did a good job. I know it's so sad. He's he's a good guy. I met him, but he's forever. I just love that movie more than flame. anything. Team America is one of the greatest movies of all it time. It really is. That that ideology should rule the yes. world. Yes, yeah. And uh, you know what I love about it more than anything the the whole idea that actors have to save the world. <laughs> but just the analogy yes. in the end is so brilliant. The yeah. dicks, pussies, and assholes. Yes. <laughs> I inadvertently saw that movie with my dad and my grandfather, and I will never forget the puppet sex scene watching that so next good. to them. I wonder yeah, if you it's so even good, but you should never today. see that. Oh, right, next to your dad. Next yeah. to your dad and your yeah. grandpa. No, you should. They, you could never make that movie. Today. You know what I made the mistake of doing yesterday? I watched Ace Ventura Peck Detective with my eight year old and my ten year old. I haven't seen that in, since it came out. Was it good still? <laughs> I didn't realize how transphobic that fucking movie is. The is whole, it? I don't spoiler remember. Spoiler alert. The whole premise is that there was a football. You can't spoiler alert Ace Ventura Pet Detective. I, I had to spoiler alert it myself because I forgot. <laughs> the whole premise was that this guy steals a dolphin, and when he steals a dolphin, Ace Ventura finds, because he's a pet detective, finds <laughs> a tiny <laughs> ruby that's at the bottom of this dolphin tank that is missing from a Miami Dolphins ring. And he finds out through this exhaustive search that the one guy who he couldn't account for his ring was a kicker who fucked up the World Series or the, the Super Bowl, rather. I, oh, I kind of remember that. Yeah. Okay. So this so this guy this guy that they found out is Sean Young in the movie, who's gorgeous. And then in the movie, take that down, please. So in the movie, at the end of it, the reveal is that Sean Young is really this football player who wants to get back at Dan Marino because Dan Marino he's he goes okay. psycho because the world hates him because he blew the kick. So he's a guy pretending to be a woman and Ace Ventura made out with him and just like Freaks everyone out. all the cops are throwing up, everyone's throwing up. Are you kidding? Yeah, oh no, no no no. It's off the charts. At the end he pulls her top off and shows and she has breasts. He was like trying to show that she didn't really have breasts and she did. And he's like, Well anybody can get those in an afternoon, but what about this? And he pulls her pants down. Oh and then God. 
he goes by, and then everybody sees her, and she's got her legs together, so you can't see her penis. And then from behind, you see her junk is pressed up against her butt cheeks because she's tucked her penis and her vagina. So the cops all start throwing up. <laughs> and then cops start cleaning, cops that made out with her start cleaning Wait, their the mouth heck? off. They start chewing giant wad. There, that's her at the <laughs> oh, end. Oh, my this God. This is the scene. So watch. All the cops see that, and he points to the fact that oh. Shania, look, they all start throwing up. Look, everyone's throwing up. This is... Dan Marino's throwing up. Okay, they also, so with the, look, so, see how he's cleaning his mouth because he, he made out with her? Tone Loke. The Dolphin's freaking out. Everyone's freaking out. It is so insanely transphobic. Okay, so what the left would say is the reason that they're right is that a movie like this won't get made anymore. And isn't that a good thing? Maybe. And, but and, should they pull it? Should, oh, it, no. should it be illegal to have that oh, on iTunes? On. Of course not. I don't know. Maybe someone on the woke left might disagree with you right uh, now. Yeah, they call might. Call you transphobic for defending this uh, horrible, um, cisgendered, heteronormative no, that's piece of shit movie. That's horrible. And what's crazy, and I guess this is a great thing. I mean, the remoralization project is working mm-hmm. because when I saw that, I'm sure is, I don't know, what year did that come out? 95, 4? Okay, so five? when I saw that as a, tw- yeah. I don't know, I was born in 84. I can't do math. I want to say 93. I want to say it was before I came to Hollywood. Okay, when I saw when I saw that movie, I was ten. Yeah. Transphobia was not a thing. No, now it is a thing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, well, that's, that's what good we're talking news. about. What, when things are changing is, so rapidly. Yes, but the question is, where are the lines being drawn, and is the Overton window being shrunk too small? How do you feel about them pulling the Dukes of Hazard off the air for the flag? I, mean, I don't know about that. You didn't know about that? No. They pulled the Dukes wait, of wait, Hazard. Do you understand? Do you understand how many of these there are a day? There's so many. Yeah, so no, I don't know that one. What's that one? This one, they've yanked the Dukes of Hazard off television forever because the Confederate flag is on the roof of the General Lee. Did not follow this. You didn't know that? You cannot watch the Dukes of Hazard anymore. You cannot watch it. It's not on television anymore. It used to be on TV land all the time. Can Just you get it on Netflix? Boy. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> no <laughs> chance. They're not going to show that goddamn awful flag. I didn't follow this. We have a poster in the bathroom okay. over there of uh, Leonard Skinner okay. from like 1970-something. And they have a giant I saw Janis ass- Joplin, I thought, in the bathroom. Other bathroom. There's Janis Joplin? Oh, that's the other bathroom. Yeah. yeah. There's different bathrooms. I like that one. Yeah, that's a great one. That's her mugshot. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Um, but the the uh, Leonard Skinner one, they have a giant Confederate flag on stage. Huge, enormous, in the background. That was their like Southern pride, this idea right. of Southern pride. It was okay to have that flag. I'm basically for trying to, in, when it comes to the realm of art and movies and books – Leave it alone. Try to leave it alone as much as possible is a generally a very good strategy. I agree. Don't want to be in the book banning, movie banning, TV banning business. Or editing. They, they tried to well, – they, I think they did successfully, at least in some venues, edit uh, Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn because the N-word was used prolifically. You know, I mean the guy's name was Nigger Jim. That was the name in, in, in the book because that's how people talked back then. And – I think we need to keep that stuff as a time capsule to show how racism was so normative. Yes. 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 It's important I agree. To, to, to show the progress like Ace Ventura, <laughs> like you, sh- like for trans people. <laughs> we need people, to keep him for history. Yes, Ace Ventura. <laughs> for trans people. And it's amazing that no one's ever brought this up. I mean, I feel like this is something I'm that's never been discussed. I'm smelling an op-ed coming on from you, Joe Rogan, about the, the important. 
I got shit to do. I got I got jokes to write. All right. But but this is You got an Israel trip that I'm planning. Oh, and we'll go Barry, to Barry, the... what are you doing to me, Barry? You're uh, dragging what am me I over doing? There. No, I'm not dragging you. I'm gonna take you on an amazing trip. And then we're gonna go to the West Bank and you're gonna see all this stuff. Okay. And you're gonna come away with loving certain parts of it and not mm. liking certain parts of it and you're going to realize it's a country just like any other country right but it is a democracy and it's trying to do its best in a really rough neighborhood and we'll go like i want you to see what the occupation looks like like i think that's something that's really important to see to get a full picture of it i think you're probably right i think it is an important thing for people to see um i think there's a lot of parts of the world that i need to see to really get a grasp where do you want to go where are you going next in the world do you travel a lot yes um I don't know. I mean, um, my family and I, we do a European vacation trip, but that doesn't really count. We just lounge. That's just fun. Yeah. Uh, went to Thailand last year. That was fascinating. Oh, cool. Thailand was fascinating because and that was kind of a vacation trip too, but that's a, such a unique culture because Thailand is run by the king. Like if you even criticize the king, you're, you're fucked. Like you're in real trouble. And his pictures everywhere. Everywhere there's pictures of him and the throne, like wearing like super nice clothes and looking good. Um, but the people are so kind. They're so friendly and they're always smiling. And they have, you know, there's a lot of people that you'll run into that have very little. But yet they don't seem to be having a problem with that. They wear flip flops. You're on the highway. There's three people on a motorcycle. <laughs> there's a baby in a basket. And I'm not bullshitting. It's no crazy. Helmets, no helmet. Yeah. No helmet. And I have a friend that just went to Thailand and she was like. <laughs> but the people are so nice. They're so nice. They're so kind. It's so unusual. And, you know, me and my family, we had, we always, whenever we go somewhere, we always have these, these real long conversations um, about, like, what was interesting about it for you. Like, what, what did you think? Like, How I tried old are to your kids? Eight and ten, the young ones, and I have a 22-year-old, too. Okay. Um, all girls. Holla. I'm from four girls. Woo. Yeah, it's in, <laughs> it's in the genes. But the, um, the, 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 what's fascinating to me about it is, well, first of all, I love exposing these little people to different parts of the world so they get to see, like, what this is like. You know, like, here we are. Like, show them on the map. This is America. We're over here. But wait the fuck? It took us 15 hours to get here. In a plane that goes 500 plus yeah. miles an hour. It's crazy. And just to realize, like, human beings are the same but different. We're the same everywhere. But there's a different way we choose to interact with each other. And one of the things that happens is we fall into their way when we go there. Like if we go to Italy, we say grazie. You know, we start, I try to, you try to Move start Move your learning. hands a lot. We'll just start trying to learn some of the words, yeah. you know, that, the, you know, these people use in their culture. And then, oh, I forget how you say it, kapsun krab. I think what? that's how you say it. It's like thank, like mean? hello and oh. thank good morning. Yeah. And but they all say that and everyone makes a lotus flower with their hands. It's so common. Everywhere you go, people greet you and they do this and it's such a warm, friendly, peaceful way of greeting each other. And so one of the things that we talked about, I was like, you know, everybody's like way more friendly and like greeting and this thing about clasping their hands together and they all agree to do it and everyone sort of it's like this unique pattern that people can fall into and people fall into all sorts of patterns they fall into like really aggressive patterns of honking at people on the road and driving real fast and and then they fall into these peaceful patterns and some of it's dictated by culture some of it's dictated by climate some of it's dictated by the economic situation of the world they're in but it's it's such a weird trip to go to different places and see like okay yeah if I lived over here this is how I'd rock it I'd yeah. be wearing flip flops and shorts and <laughs> you know I'd get around this way and this is the kind of food that I would eat and 
Totally. And it's real spicy because, you know, you kind of have uh, have those spices actually protect against bacteria because they're, they're they're actually antibacterial. Was the food great? Fucking amazing. We it's took some cor- we took classes, we learned how to cook over there. It's so fun. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. But my kid got lit up by bugs. Woo! <laughs> There's a uh, I think they're called tsetse flies. Uh. I think that's what they're called. I forget what they're called, but m- my youngest had a horrible allergic reaction to some of the bugs over there. You get and you you know you, you think like okay like uh, <laughs> what about uh you know there's there's fucking diseases that kill people like yeah. malaria has killed <laughs> malaria yeah, has killed more people than anything ever like more people have died from oh. malaria than anything oh I know yeah well that's why Gates made it yeah totally yeah and so you go over there like one, we were gonna go to Africa it's one of the things that we we're gonna go to but I'm not giving my fucking eight year old malaria shots right just no. Just like and those pills give you really bad dreams. I've had some friends that uh, Dave Foley, who's like the sweetest guy on the planet Earth. He was from Kids in the Hall. Oh, cool. He was on news radio with me. Dave Foley was on malaria medication because he was going to visit his kids in uh, Egypt. So he had to take this stuff and he was drinking. You're not supposed to drink on it. And uh, he, he was Did he hallucinate? He's going crazy. He doesn't even remember it. Yeah. He's going crazy. He's yeah, yeah. taking a reporter's uh, <laughs> microphone or his uh, tape recorder away and put it in a drink. <laughs> He was like losing his marbles. Like I had to protect him from yelling at a guy. I had to like corral him. Like calm down. Meanwhile, the sweetest, kindest, nicest guy you would ever meet. And meanwhile, he was like, like super <laughs> aggro. It was crazy. It didn't make any sense. And it's the the medication. Right. He just had a horrible reaction. I've had other friends that had just like horrific, waking up soaked in sweat, evil nightmares, demons chasing them. Like fuck this medication. This is too much, man. Um, but. But my point is, um, yeah, I'd be down to go to Israel. I'd be. Go- I, I, I think I need to go to. A, Have I you w- been to that part of the world? No. Okay. Yeah, it's time. Th- I want to go to Giza too. That's the other place I really need to go to. Okay. I'm, I've been obsessed with the pyramids since I was a little kid. Great. Yeah. Can be one trip. All right. I'm on it. All right. Done. Let's do it. And you can set up a debate for me, and I'm in for that too. I have to yeah. pee. I don't know okay. if we're wrapping go ahead. up. Go. No. No. Go pee. Okay. Go pee. Go pee. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I, I'm setting up a few debates. I don't know if I could set that one up. That one seems problematic. Why not? No, no. no. <laughs> She's hilarious. She's gonna drag me to Israel. She's a powerful lady, though, right? She's got. She's got some some horsepower behind her opinions. You gonna come with us? You gotta take to go. pictures, man. Yeah, You're a sure. professional photographer. So I got this before. Yeah. Yeah, um, would you feel nervous? Where would you feel more nervous, going to Giza or going to Gaza? Gaza, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like yeah. shit could pop off at yeah. any minute. You just don't want to be there when it all goes sour. Yeah, a friend of my dad in the '80s, he was uh, he was on his way, I believe, to Beirut, and he was being tracked. He found out once he got back, he met Ronald Reagan, and when he met President Reagan, he said, "It's nice to meet you. We've been following you." And he's like, Ex- "Excuse me." been following me so yeah we found out there was like a threat like after you like i think he fainted on the spot or something like that Whoa, he had no idea there was a threat yeah <clears throat> he was just going to deliver hot dogs his name is hot dog harry he was trying to like, help the troops and stuff and what was the threat they were trying to kill him jesus yeah, christ at one delivering point, hot dogs yeah at one point a, a, a car pulled up next to him and a guy with a gun had it like wrapped to his head and the, the, the cab got the cab driver thankfully knew what was happening like took off and he didn't die but, Why yeah. were they going to kill him just for delivering I, hot dogs? I don't remember the exact situation. Like, they weren't happy he was over there trying to help. 
oh, sort of situation. Wow. Like someone Holy knew. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. I believe that's how it went down. Yeah. Fuck. <sighs> yeah, there's spots in the world that are just so fucked up. Like, you don't want to go because you, you, you hear and you're like, I don't want to get caught up in that. I don't want to get caught up in that when I can just stay in Burbank. You know? <laughs> Why would I go and get caught up in that? But then there's other parts you go, man, for your own edification, you should probably go just to understand what it's like. Did you hear about those uh, ladies that were killed in Morocco? Hey, you're back. Um, you shut that door? Okay, I'll grab it. I'll grab it. It's okay. Um, we are just talking Sorry. about going to dangerous places, and it's probably a good idea, but you get scared. And, you know, and for the most part, you probably shouldn't be scared, but sometimes you should. And we were just talking about those women that were killed in Morocco. Those uh, Norwegian hikers, they were from, uh, were they from Norway or Denmark? I forget. They were they were hiking in Morocco. There's two women and they were killed by these. But a woman was just killed in Australia, 20-year-old Israeli, good yeah. woman killed in Killed New by people that were doing it because of the United States involvement in Syria. Oh and they cut their heads off and did oh it on my a God. cell phone camera and they put it on the internet and I watched it. Oh, you watched yeah, it? it Why would asshole. you watch that? You know what? Because I was reading the story and the video was there. And uh, I just clicked it, and I shouldn't have. And just to see it, I just part of me wants oh. to know that people like that exist. Part but you of me know wants they know. exist. I know they exist, but it, it, I don't want it to be an abstract. Like yeah, a, ever. Exactly but you know what? I watched the Danny Pearl video. Yeah, I'll never watch another video like that again. Yeah, I saw that one too. I've seen quite a few of them now. <clears throat> you need to know. I don't want to go there. You know, I mean, it's not worth it to go to a place where that's happening. But you need to know that that's happening, right? In order to have a realistic perspective on world events, you need to know what it is at the the worst end of the spectrum. Like what is what is the what are the consequences for rabid ideologies? Well, I've thought about that with like what we decide to show and not show after mass shootings here. Yeah, you know, like um, I was in Pittsburgh like right after, and I was, you know, because I knew the rabbi who was doing some of the cleanup. And because of religious reasons. And Every, it was, you were, you, your bat mitzvah. Was there. That is so crazy. And yeah, my dad knew six of the people who were murdered. And, um, but like, it was really crazy to me how locked down it was. And like, you couldn't take it. I was there with, with a photographer and you couldn't take any pictures at all of anything, you know, and there's a real lockdown on showing people because you don't want to terrify people but i've wondered would it prick people's consciousness about the reality of what gun violence looks like you know like the carnage like the people that i know that saw it said it looked like a war zone and would that change public policy and would that be a positive thing or would we just become numb to it like we become numb to everything else i don't know that's a very good question I, i'm never in favor of suppressing information even horrific information um, I was a big critic of that during the um, Bush administration when they passed um, laws on whether or not you're allowed to show uh, actual coffins, just coffins. You weren't allowed to show coffins being flown back. I felt like that was that's a disgrace. That's a, I mean, you should if you if if we're going to consider whether or not we want our to tax be dollars to go yes. to war. We should be able yeah, to understand the real consequences. And one of the best ways is to not just get information in terms of text. Text is very difficult for you to conceptualize. But when you're seeing American flags covering coffins, and you're seeing hundreds of them, 
and you realize these are your neighbors, these are your, your neighbor's children, this is, this is people that you, you know and they're dying over there and you can't really, you can't wrap your head around why they're doing it and it, it, whether or not it's right, whether or not we should have been there and then whether or not there actually were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, whether or not we're in the business of nation building, whether or not Ron Paul is right, whether or not other people are right. Well, who's right? Like, the, the only way we're really going to get a clear picture is to see a picture. To have an actual picture. Yeah, well, that that's why I've thought about this a yeah. lot. Because right now, I think in most Americans' minds, it's like the shooting happens, then it becomes a hashtag, then it becomes a t-shirt, then yeah. it becomes a memorial thing, a memorial concert. I mean, it's like actually sickening, like the the choreography of it. And I think what's lost is what it looks like. Yeah. And this rabbi in Pittsburgh, who's really amazing, described to me what he saw. And... I will never forget just the description of what he told me. And I wonder, I've wondered a lot in the wake of that, and I'll think about it with the next shooting happens, would that have made a difference at all in this terms of waking people up? What's fucked up is you said when the next shooting happens. Well, That's we, what's we, fucked well, up. Well, we know it will happen. Yeah. We know it will happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why? Why? Because, because there are a lot of guns in this country and people have access to those guns who are not only mentally unwell, sometimes they're just evil. They want to kill people. And they want to be famous. I mean, for a million reasons. But the fact that we are living in a culture that seems to worship people's freedom to own those weapons more than human life seems crazy to me. It really does. I get what you're saying. The argument against that would be this... Look, look, the real crazies believe that these things are happening and that they're happening because of the fact the government wants to take away our guns. This is the real crazies. Wait, I, explain that. I'm not sure I follow. That they are making these people do these things. The government? That the, the worst worst aspects of our society, whatever, you know, f fill in the blank with whatever left-wing conspiracy that, you know, whatever person, whatever boogeyman, okay. George Soros, whatever okay, the fucking okay. boogeyman is, that... The, the, whatever boogeyman or bo or cabal of boogie people, that they are somehow or another either using like Manchurian candidate type influence, whatever the fuck they're doing, they're getting people to do this and then even creating false flags where these oh things God. didn't happen oh so they can take away guns. This is the, this, I mean, look. But this is like exactly, swamp terror. This is like it Pizza is Gate. Like it who is. You're right. It is. It is. It is dumb. But it's real. It's real in terms of the influence that it has, that people actually do believe that there are these false flag events that they're designing to, to get your guns, that people are training people to go out and kill a bunch of people so they can take away your guns. So it makes them more rabid about their support of the Second Amendment, and they, they, they feel like they're being attacked on all sides. Have you had it's Michael Shermer on here? Like yes, you need recently. Oh, good. Last week. The, cons the the mindset of the conspiracy thinker is totally fascinating to me. It is. Uh, Mick West it's is actually just it. as good or even better. He runs Metabunk. Okay. He's a fascinating guy. Okay. I, I, I used to do this show. I did this show for a while on uh, sci-fi called Joe Rogan Questions Everything. And one <laughs> of the things that we went into was uh, why people believe in chemtrails, why people believe that the heat of jet engines, which causes these artificial clouds when it interacts with condensation okay. in the atmosphere and creates, you know, it creates artificial clouds. You see contrails. Yes. yes. Some people believe that these are 
that someone's spraying something and that this weather control from these commercial jets that they're, you know, somehow there's this gigantic conspiracy of all these people involved and that this is in some way uh, they're, they're either doing weather control or they're controlling us or mind control. It depends on who you ask. And <laughs> Clearly. Wanna, but Mick had a really interesting way of discussing it. Okay. And one of the things that he said is this is like the training wheels for conspiracy theory because mm. you see it in the sky. Like, look, there it is. I don't remember that. Meanwhile, there's photographs from World War II where you can see from the 1940s, you can see contrails in the sky that look just like the ones up here. But people will say, I don't remember those when we were kids. And people go, yeah, yeah, I don't. And then it starts fueling this paranoid idea that there's this program going on. And then there are real programs that the government is considering to combat global warming where they talked right. about this in the, in the 70s and the 80s. They talked about um, reflective particles in the atmosphere. I think they were when they were concerned hmm. that the ozone layer was be, man, man, almost the eighties. Probably, probably was later than that. But even more recently, they've talked about suspending reflective particles in the atmosphere to protect it. But it'd be very different. But from, why do people believe conspiracy theories? What is it in the nature of certain people that that I'm just so fascinated by it? That's a good question. That's what I was going to ask you. Uh, what, I don't know. What do you, when you see it from the outside? When you see something like. Uh, like the most horrific ones, like Sandy Hook, like Sandy Hook being a false flag. What would be the motivation for someone saying that? What would be the motivation? The only thing I can, I mean, the most plausible, I guess, would be capturing an audience, like getting people to believe in you as some seer behind the veil. Yeah, but that's only the people that are projecting this in terms of in, in the media. I'm talking about like an Alex media. Jones. Like, but, why does he say that? But my question is, why do other people think it? Why do they look for it? Not not a person who's I profiting think, oh, off no, of I it. I think that's, I think the reason people look to conspiracy theories is that the world is deeply chaotic and seems to lack a logic and people are desperate for a system of understanding the world. And conspiracy theories often seem to, like, offer a very, very actually, like, an incredibly simplistic explanation, which is there's this secret thing. Like, there's always a secret thing that yes. is a plan that the public doesn't know about, but generally. the real thing is that no one really is at the wheel. Yeah. Yes. The real thing is that, I mean, haven't we learned that from the Trump presidency, right? Like, institutions are just made up of people. Like, yeah. they can fall apart if the people that take them over are irresponsible, crazy, venal, narcissistic, everything that we're seeing in the Trump administration. Well, also, like, that people. But isn't that kind of, it's weirdly, I mean, it's both terrifying, but also comforting, I think. Like, if What's it's people. Comforting about it? if, if it's just people, people can also change it. Right. Okay. It's not like yeah. there's a secret hand that we need to get to. Yeah. So, okay, what's the solution? Elect better people. Do you That's think, the hopeful part. Do you think that this... Such as it is. This constant conflict, this social conflict that we're involved in right now, the woke left and the alt-right and all this jazz, that this, the, the, the boiling of it right now will eventually boil down to something more rational? Because it seems like if you, if you read Steven Pinker's work and people that study violence and, and danger and society over the course of history that we're we're certainly on an upward trend 
even though no right. one's all denying. all the data shows yes, that. all the data shows that. No one's denying that there's some awful aspects to our culture today and society and crime and violence and, and fill in the blank. And all wealth the, disparity and yes. Yes, all those things exist. But there's more understanding of that, there's more awareness of that, and there's certainly a safer safer world today than was you know, 100, 200 years ago in terms of like your, your own existence. Well, just think about my life. Like I am a woman who can walk down the street of almost any American city with you know all the privileges that I have granted, but unharmed. Yes. That's a miracle in it human history. It is. Like there's one day I was at the beach and I was like, wow, I'm just like sitting here in a bathing suit. No one's coming up to me. No one's harassing me. How many parts of the world could I do that in? Right. You know, like I, I try and keep that in mind when I'm falling into despair about where we are as a country where I'm like, oh, actually, in a lot of ways, it's still like the best thing of the worst things. It's the best thing in history so far, certainly for women. So I try and kind of keep that in mind when I'm losing myself to feelings, to fears that things are going to get worse before they get better, which is what I think. I I have... Uh all daughters and I have friends that are women and I, uh, I have a lot of friends that are women in the world of stand-up comedy and I oftentimes see misogynist shit online that shocks me mm-hmm. and one of the things that shocked me was there's a guy that I follow and he was talking about how his wife uh, it was he, like thread on Twitter well thought out very smart guy he's a lawyer and uh, he was talking about how his wife's gas tank is always empty it's like every time he gets in his wife's car, she's always out of gas. He's like, what the fuck? Why do I always have to get gas for you? And then she explained she doesn't I know like to park uh-huh. to get gas because she gets harassed mm-hmm. and it creeps her out. And um, and it's like a man would never think about that. Not only would men never think about that. The messages he was getting from men calling him a cuck. What? And making excuse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there is. Oh, that's not. I, I mean, I. I'm an idiot that I didn't think darkly enough because, yeah. of course, it was going to go there. And right, direct, of course. And he told me direct messages, getting direct yeah. messages, people, you know, mm-hmm. saying all kinds of crazy shit to him because they not only are they in denial that this could be a situation where their mother was in or their wife or mm-hmm. their daughter. Maybe they don't have a daughter. Maybe they have a bad relationship with their mother. Maybe they just they've had so many bad, you know. If a guy's had so many bad interactions with women and he's not very smart and he's just decided that women are evil and you see anything that's like saying, hey, guys, maybe we should look at it in terms of like how the woman looks at it. Fuck you. Like that's real. Those guys are real and they're out there. I was at a gas station the other night at two o'clock in the morning. I was coming home from the comedy store. And I pulled into this gas station, and there was this guy. You know, they have that bulletproof thing where there's thick glass, yes. and the guy's talking. To, I'm, I'm using my credit card, and this guy's trying to use his debit card. Okay. And uh, I pull in. I get out of my car, and I hear yelling. And I hear him going, hey, bro, relax. You're not a fucking bank teller, all right? He goes, you're taking this job so seriously. You make $10 an oh hour. God. And the guy says something. There's no money on the card. He's like, fuck you. There's $800 on this card. And his friend from the car is saying something. He's, and I am nervous, okay? I'm really? Nervous. Yes. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm nervous. <sighs> and I'm like, fuck. And I'm like, what if this guy turns any of this aggression on me? What if he decides, I mean, he's a fucking asshole. And he's probably drunk or high or something. And it's 2 o'clock in the morning. 
and it's him and there's another guy in the car and I, I'm so nervous. And they're humiliating the guy who works yes, there. Yes, yes. So and I'm so nervous that I'm thinking of cutting my pump short. I'm thinking of just don't get a full tank, just get five bucks and get the fuck out of here. You know, don't run out of gas, but let's just get the fuck out of here. We'll get the gas tomorrow during the daylight. And I'm a man and I'm looking at these two guys and I'm saying, okay, if some shit goes down, if these guys don't have a weapon... If some shit goes down, I'm, I'm going to beat the fuck out of these two guys. They, they, they look skinny. They look like they don't exercise, but they're aggressive. They're angry. They're stupid. I'm like, God damn it. Like, all my spidey senses are going, get out of here. Go. Get out of here. And like an asshole, I decide to stay and pump my gas. But when the, the, these guys are yelling at each other, I literally went around the front of the car instead of the, this the back way because it was a shorter path for me being exposed to their view. So I'm hiding behind my truck while I'm filling my tank, and I'm a man who could kill these two guys. Right. I honestly thought where this story was going to go is that you were going to go over and tell them to shut up. I was thinking of going over there, but I didn't want to get shot. And I'm thinking, what if what, this is how people die? I know. And now I'm Second saying, Amendment joke. No, sure. But also, you can get <laughs> no, knifed. I'm saying, you can yeah, get okay, hit fine. In the fair head enough. With a pipe. But isn't that an insane yeah. thing that you have to worry that you're going to get shot at a gas yes, station? It is. It is. This is ins- but it's not just shot, it's just violence in general. Fa- and fair I'm, enough. And I'm a martial arts expert. So I'm less worried than most men, and certainly way less worried than a woman. If I was a woman and I pulled up and I heard that guy going, fuck, you make $10 an hour, bro, fucking relax. I'd be like, oh, get me the fuck out of here. I was on fumes, though. Has raising two (sighs) daughters made you so much more aware of this stuff? 100%. Yeah. And also just raising babies, even if they were boys. I I realize that people are babies now. I used to think of people as being in a static state. If I, How old are you? 34. I meet you. I go, oh, 34-year-old person. This is a 34-year-old person. I didn't meet you and think uh, – in the past, I would have met you and only thought of you as a 34-year-old person. Now, I look at everyone uh, by as a default baby. as a baby. That's how I, I process things. And it made me way more compassionate, way more understanding, and way more patient with people. Because I now I say, okay, when I meet this asshole at the gas station at 2 o'clock in the morning that's berating that guy, well, why is he? Well, because probably his dad's a fucking piece of shit. His life probably sucks. He's probably dumb. He's probably been on drugs since he was young. He doesn't have any smart friends. They don't have any money to get gas. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. They're making poor life choices. There's a lot wrong here. He doesn't have any discipline in his life. He's never gone through any sort of trial and tribulations that taught him about things. He doesn't, doesn't, didn't receive life lessons, probably didn't get a good education. Here we are, and I might have to kick this guy's ass because it's 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm, he's threatening. He's loud, and he's probably going to be loud. Other people look at him the wrong way. He's just fucking toxically stupid. But it was a baby. He was a baby at one point in time. So I don't want to go over there. I don't want to create violence. I'm thinking he's just going to drive away, and eventually he did. And that poor guy who probably is probably making just a little bit more than $10 an hour is stuck in this fucking cubicle, this little glass box with this asshole berating him at 2 o'clock in the morning. But that's a baby. That guy was a baby. My, my, my accept, not acceptance, but my curiosity with socialism, my real curiosity with any socialist ideas is how do we recognize the fact that some people – are dealt the shittiest of shitty Mm -hmm. hand of cards Mm -hmm. and that there's entire sections of cities where everyone has a shit hand of cards and some some make it out through basketball and football and sports and rap music and whatever but that whole spot sucks 
The whole spot sucks. The aberrations, the, the, the few that make it out, that's not indicative of that this is a good place and these people just need to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. It's that some salmon make it up this crazy waterfall and the grizzly bears don't eat them. It doesn't mean that the waterfall is safe Isn't for them, salmon right. and the salmon that get bit are a bunch of pussies. It's, it's this, cra- this is chaos. This, the fact that we don't address that and that our civilization just plows on with the same stupid path that we've had for decades, regardless of the fact that we have an absolute understanding of the, the complete inequality of the, the real ghettos of our country, whether it's the south side of Chicago or whether it's Baltimore, wherever it is, we have a real understanding of this. This isn't, this isn't guesswork. We really know, and we don't do a goddamn thing about it. That's what makes me want to embrace some aspects of socialism. The fact that I know it's not fair. It's not fair. Look, I didn't have a great childhood, but it wasn't bad. I got through. I'm fine. Nobody shot me. Nobody raped me. I got through. Like, it could have been way worse, and it is way worse for many, many people. Yes. So all these pull yourself up by your bootstraps assholes, the other thing I notice about them is they're rarely really successful. Like, they're rare, they, they really rarely are these pull yourself up by your bootstraps people, people who have accomplished anything extraordinary. It's just like an idea. Mm-hmm. It's like it's 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 a it's a simplistic ideology that they've sort of subscribed to. You should have AOC on. Alexander I would love Cus- to. We, her and I have gone back and forth on Twitter. Yeah, that would be yeah. really interesting to listen Plus, to. Plus, she's so young. I'm so interested in her. Yeah, she's 28 years old. I mean, that's amazing. The she's whole just, thing's amazing. The whole, she's just fascinating. Yeah. You should have her on. How about when she was getting a hard time because uh, they found a video? Like, they thought they were going to get her. No, they found here's a video the thing, though. That was a- college dancing. Yeah, but you know what? Everyone loved that video. Right, like, but- the whole narrative that, like, some random person on Twitter put that video out. Right, but and- the point is, they, they did it. Because they thought they were going to shame her. They're idiots. But how funny is that? that uh, yeah, that I mean, they thought it was like, the most charming thing in the entire world. It was amazing. Anyone who did not love her already fell in love with yeah. her. Yeah, that's what it accomplished. And then her response to that was her doing a little dance. Oh, was she's a genius? She's a social door. media genius. The question is, does she, you know, do her ideas stand up at all? Well, I'd she's, be interesting to hear. Her ideas can evolve, but what she has that's unique is she's real, and she seems to be a really good person. She seems to be a good person. Now. Whether or not I agree with her tax policy, I'm not an economist. I'm a fucking moron, okay? I don't know anything about economics. I really don't. I mean... You should have her on with some economists. Like, Uh, no? I'd rather have her on just... I just want to know about her as a person first. Look, my my thoughts on politicians is you can hire economists. You could listen to them. You could talk to them. What we really need is people that have the right idea as far as where humans should go, the way we should behave, the way we should treat each other, This, this overwhelming need for community that we all share. We have to we have to pull this thing together and we have to be we have to look at each other as a community and that's lacking and the the people that are polarizing both on the left and the right want they, they don't want to look at it that way they don't they want to look at people and say hey you will never get better like that 16 year old kid no need to ever forgive him this kind of crazy talk whether it's from the right or from the left is what we really need to stomp out. We need to stop. We need to be nicer to each other. We, we need, need to figure out that we're, we don't have time. We're not going to live long. If you're 50 years old and this is your I- idea of the world, like, fuck, man, you're halfway done and you're an, you're an idiot. Yeah. You're looking at shit completely wrong and you're halfway done with this trip if everything goes perfect. I know we're, like, in an anti-religious period of the world's history, but, like, ideas like grace and mercy yeah. would... would, would 
go a long way in the culture right now. Yes. No, I agree. And even even if it's just fuck, even if it's really wacky, you know, mindfulness and yoga, even if it's like comes from a, a, a sort of fake guru-y place in the <laughs> beginning, which a lot of times it does. Well, it's just people have, I mean, people have deeply religious impulses and that needs to go somewhere. And so it's going to politics and doctrinaire politics or it's going to wokefulness or it's going to self-care and wellness. I mean, all yes. of these things are astrology. It's like making a comeback. Mm -hmm. Is it really? Yeah. But every. Are you kidding? Yes. I am yes. kidding. I mean, I'm not no, kidding. Yes, 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 yes. Really? Yes. yes. How's astrology People making... signs like, I mean, it's like all religious express like that energy inside of us i think is deeply human and goat needs to go somewhere i talked to a guy who's a really smart guy who told me he doesn't do anything until he con contacts his astrologer oh my god everyone like, in oh, la oh, has one yeah not everyone a lot that's not true jamie uh, jamie does not have one no jamie consults the weed leaves <laughs> um yeah i i don't know what that's about but i do think that people do have this desire for a space daddy, uh, a higher power, a someone that know something that knows more than you, some grand pattern to follow that leads to harmony. I mean, I think everybody sort of has that thing because, again, what we were talking about before, we we do realize if we are being honest that no one's at the wheel, that we wake up, we're almost like we're in a spaceship. And we wake up and, we, and, you know, we were in hypersleep and this thing has been flying for millions of years. And we're like, wait, who the fuck is flying <laughs> this? Do we know who's flying this? Are you, you're not flying it. I'm not flying it. Well, I'm going to, we're going to get together and we're going to form a group that flies it. Like, okay, okay. But it's, it's it still moves. It's still moving while we're trying to figure out who flies it. And there's no way to slow it down. There's no brakes in this thing. I mean, we are in an organic spaceship. We are. We are. And we're flying through infinity. We're spinning a thousand miles an hour and we're going through space. That's real. And you're going to die. That's, all those things are real. All those things sort of make everything else sort of pale in comparison. The reality of that is so bizarre. And while, while that we're avoiding those thoughts, we're concentrating on these very minor differences that we really have that are really framed by our teams. You know, the team, this team says you got to do this. This team says you got to do that. I can tell almost to a, if you tell me you're pro-life, I go, oh, you vote Republican. Right. You and you know everything else yeah. about that person. That's what? crazy. The idea also that you know that you're going to die. And yet there are people who are spending their lives hurling pixels at other people. And pixels. Like on Twitter, you oh, know? that's hilarious, though. Pixels. Like, I never thought about it that like, way. But, like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, this is All your- day, too. This is your one life? Yep. That's how you want to spend it? Yeah. Being mean. Go outside. Yeah. Seriously. Like, go outside. But it's so intoxicating and it's so new. That's also the problem with social and it media gives and people phones. A, in, in a world in which, you know, people live alone and stare down at their flashy screen and worship it like a god, this, these networks gives you, give you a sense of belonging and community. Yes. And it also gives you something to think about. If you, uh, you know, I was talking about Jamie Kilstein earlier, uh, who I accidentally almost tweeted or uh, texted. Jamie used to be oh, a heavy-duty social justice Oh, worker. I know yeah. all about him, yeah. And he was describing how he would go after people, mm -hmm. and then he would be locked onto his phone all day long, look at the responses, and completely addicted to it. No matter what he did throughout his day, he was checking his phone every couple minutes and couldn't help that compulsion. That's a lot of people out there that are locked into this 
It's an addiction. Wo- yes, it is an addiction. I've had to get over. I mean, like I had a small period of a few months where I had not really been on Twitter. I joined the Times. That sort of thing happened to me. And then I was like, this is horrible. Like yeah. I hate the way this is physically making me feel. Like I'm nauseous. I'm sweating. Like I, I, I hate this. Yes. I can't do this. Yeah. It's got to be a better way. Saying something mean to you. Oh my god. And then you look at it and you're like, I should say something back. Like this is it's not true. really and intense. Then, and then people, you see them like formulating. And like, hey man, what are you doing? I'm in. I'm in the middle. I'm in mortal combat here. Mortal online. You know, you you catch yourself. Like I remember, I was at a dinner party once, and I was like, describing some Twitter fight I was in, and I was like, oh my god, I've become one of those people, and. I'm I'm not going to allow myself to be that person. Yeah, but Good. you have to fight it. You do have to fight it, and you have to be aware of what it is. You know, like it feels like something you have to pay attention to. Right, but the beauty is that I get to write for the New York Times. Yeah, that is. The I'd beauty. like to put my energy into that. Yeah, and when you do get criticism from your articles, do you get it in the form of, like, what is the... I got a really scary email today. I get emails, I get tweets, I get everything. Everything everyone gets. I get letters in the mail sometimes. Do you want to talk about it? Like, what... No, I mean, it's... No, I mean, I can. I I don't think it's so unusual. Like, that's part of... You know, I write things that people find provocative. I expect to provoke a reaction. I'm okay with that. And it, when there are things that are scary, you know, the New York Times is really good about monitoring that. Yeah. There's no But way I don't it... like to be in a field that's got it getting attacked as an enemy of the people by the president of the United States. Yeah, the not failing s- not New York super Times. excited about that. But it's just so bizarre that the guy, he's so petty that he calls it like the failing New but York it's, Times. But it's so irresponsible. Yeah. Like there I'm shocked that there has not been more violence perpetrated on members of the press i'm really i really am what do you think happens with him oh, i don't know i don't know who can beat him. i don't know though, right? who can beat him who do you think can beat him that's a good question i don't know hillary can't i'm, <laughs> I'm so worried duh yeah but i'm so worried she's gonna run again she's gonna muscle her way to the top i don't know who can beat him right now and i'm i, I don't know why do you think that? Right, and the question, right, is as like things keep going further and further south. What about someone who is a centrist Democrat? Doesn't that make more sense? That someone who's gonna, who's a rational person, who's on the right, who's gonna look at this person, who's maybe uh, economically conservative but socially liberal, and say this is really yeah, where unless I'm they run towards. someone on the far left and like on on an identity politics platform, uh, right, that's right, what scares right. me. Yeah, that's not gonna work. Well, could yeah. it though? Because I don't think so. I don't know because Trump's whole thing was. Screw the center. I just need to make my base go apeshit crazy for me. But they're still apeshit crazy. And no matter what I he know, does. I know. And I'm worried that the left, that the Democrats are going to try and replicate that strategy and be like, we just need to make our base go apeshit crazy rather than running someone that can win the center. I, I see where you're going. But I think that pe- <laughs> this is maybe my liberal bias. But I think that people on the left wouldn't fall for that the same way people on the right would. I don't think people on the left who saw someone who went ape shit, full woke, far left. I think there's a lot of people in the center be like, well, I'm going to just going to vote libertarian, man. I'm going right. to vote for Gary Johnson or some shit. But OK, so who's in right now? So we have Kamala, Kristen Tulsi Gillibrand. Oh, monstrous. Monstrous? <laughs> ideas. Ideas. Well, when she was 22, she had. No, she's an Assad toady. What does that mean? She is What's a, a toady. 
I think that I use that word correctly. Jamie, can you check what toady means? Like towing the line? Is that what it means? No, I think it's like a T-O-A-D-I-E. What does that mean? I think it means what I think it means. Toady, definition of toadies. A person a who flatters yeah. or defers to others for self-serving right. reasons. A sycophant. So she's an Assad sycophant. My, Is that what you're saying? My, yeah, that's pro- that's known about her. Like, what did she say that, that oh, we have qualifies to look, her? I don't, I don't remember the details. I probably a, should say that before we say that about her. We should probably read it, rather. Well, I have read it. No, I mean, I we just, should right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just so we know what she said. Look I've, up I've Tulsi Gabbard. Look up I really Tul- enjoy talking to her. I like her a lot. Are you serious? Yeah, I like talking to her. Okay. I like okay. talking to her. I don't know about... I think she's like the mother load of bad ideas. Whoa. I'm pretty positive about that, especially on Assad. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. Well, my take on her was that I think... As a person who's coming from the left, who's also a veteran and uh, is very articulate and sensible and a woman, and in talking to her, we didn't get into Assad or any of those things, but talking to her about what she feels is wrong with the current administration and the way things are running and a direction she thinks things could go in, she had some very promising ideas. I don't, I didn't know about this. But doesn't though. she also, did she ever apologize for believing in conversion therapy? For I didn't even know she believed in conversion therapy. Am I crazy? Is that real? I'm almost positive this is real. I think her father ran con- like when you a say center conversion therapy, you're talking gay about gay people. Yes. Yeah. No, uh, I didn't know that. I never heard that. I'm, I I'm, did hear something about when she was very young. She was like I'm 22. She had said something about gay marriage and civil unions so that she apologized for and said Assad. that she evolved. She reveals she met Assad in Syria without informing top Democrats. I'm telling you, she's... She said she went on a fact-finding mission in support of peace for Syrian people, but characterized U.S.-backed rebels as terrorists. Yeah, she's... I mean, hold on. I, I can keep looking, but I just I'm telling have enough you, time to research everything yeah. all at the yeah. same time. I can come back on when I okay, know more. Okay, but let's, let's... We can do this another time. Okay. But what, who do you think stands out for you? as someone that would make a good president. Yeah, she once touted working for an anti-gay group that backed conversion therapy. Anyway. She once touted working for an anti- She worked for an anti-gay group? She worked for them like she had a job there? What? You know, I'm worried. As a person who's been called alt-right adjacent, I'm just looking I'm worried about labels. No, I understand. But you know what I mean? Rep. Tulsi Gabbard in the early 2000s touted working for her father's anti-gay organization, which mobilized to pass a measure against same-sex marriage in Hawaii and, perverted, and promoted controversial conversion therapy. Ooh. Yeah. FYI. Conversion therapy is the weirdest shit of all time. There was a, uh, an article that I read uh, about they were, they, were, they were manipulating pleasure. It turned out, it's, I, start, I started reading it from a, a study on rats. They did this okay. thing with rats where they um, provided, they they figured out a way to give rats orgasms. They figured out a way to like <laughs> j- jazz up the pleasure center I love that you're reading this. Brains. Like just yeah. for, okay. And they would do anything to do it. They would, they would shock, they would run up past an area that shocked them. Like they, 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 do, they would do anything to get to this area where they could have these orgasms and they would have them up to 2,000 times a day. They would just nut just Dude. all day long. Just, <laughs> and, <laughs> 
in reading. Wait, ma- male and female rats yeah, or just yeah, male? Yeah, yeah, just rats. Just, just rats. Okay, just, just, just rats. Just rats trying to come. And so when I was... Uh, I love that we're in hour three and yeah. we're talking about rat orgasms. Oh, it's amazing. This is, the study's amazing. Well, this is what's amazing about this. it. Sorry, yeah. folks. No, it's okay. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Weiss, time to turn away. Um, they did it with uh, a gay man. While they were doing this, this is in the 1970s, there's uh, a couple different studies that they did, but one of them they did with this gay guy where they uh, tried to stimulate certain parts of his brain while they were showing him heterosexual porn, and they were trying to convert him into being heterosexual. Okay. And apparently they had some meager amount of success with this where he engaged in sexual relationships with women and uh, and apparently even enjoyed it, and they did something to, to literally stimulate a part of his brain that would excite arousal and tried to connect that with um, with heterosexual porn and and made him orgasm uh, made him um, masturbate to orgasm while they were doing this and showing him straight porn the idea was they were going to reprogram his mind how'd that work out it didn't, but it did. It did in terms of short term, but it didn't. I mean, it must have been just massively confused. Because obviously sexuality is not just about what makes you have an orgasm. No, it's not. It's also incredibly, it's incredibly complex. And um, one of the things that happens is uh, you, you get, you can have gay experiences when you're young. If someone does something to you and it imprints upon you arousal at a young age, with, with gay experiences, sometimes even heterosexual men will get aroused by certain gay images and gay things because of their past, because of that. Like Chris, but Chris isn't it Ryan's also that we're that on before. that we're all on a spectrum? Sure, sexuality that's, and that's like, speculative. Yes, I, I think so for sure. We all certainly are, but it's also speculative how much of that spectrum is influenced by your environment sure. versus your genes. And, you know, sure. and this is very taboo for some people to discuss, even though it's really fascinating. The human sexuality is incredibly fascinating. And there's there's some m- major f- taboo areas of exploration. And when you start looking at, like, what makes a person gay or straight, whether it's nature or nurture, whether it's a combination of those things, whether someone's just radically gay from the womb or whether someone's radically straight from the womb, these these studies where they were trying to they were trying to turn someone with science they were trying to turn someone straight it's it's a it's very you couldn't do it today you'd never be able to do it I today to in america up. yeah i believe it was like 71 they did okay, it okay i'll look it up yeah it's i'll send it to you okay it's crazy you. it's crazy um widely criticized but heavily studied you know the woman they did it to a woman too uh, they they stuck these this woman had a problem with painkillers and so um, they figured out a way to wire her brain is this like electric shock therapy mm-hmm. or no, like no, they, lobotomy? They used, they used fucking dental drills. They put holes oh my God, in their brain. Is... <laughs> <laughs> they fucking could do whatever they wanted in the is 70s. Is now the time that we get high? Yeah. When does this... Like... Yeah. Now, yeah, now's the time we break out the Elon Musk weed. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. that was crazy. I watched every minute of that. It was that. nothing. We drank whiskey for no, two no. hours first. Sorry, when I say crazy, I mean like an amazing get. Like oh, journalistically. Yeah, 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 yeah. It no. was awesome. No, it was really cool, and I, I have to thank uh, some of his friends that I'm friends with that convinced him to do that. Yeah, that was a fascinating conversation. I thought it was nothing. I, I thought, so we smoked a little pot. I, did, I literally didn't think it doesn't anything matter. of it. Anything he does yeah. is fascinating to yeah. people. That's... Well, what, what I really wanted to talk to him about was his 
thought process. Like, like what's going on? I know something different is going on in his head. Right. You know, you, you ever talk to someone where, you know, because I have children and I do like to think of people as babies that become, you know, what they are. And I see them in front of me right now and this constant state of evolution. But sometimes I'll run into someone that's depressingly stupid where I realize, like, God damn, this guy's got a nine-volt brain. They just do. Some people just do, and no one wants to admit that. And we're not talking about mental retardation or any sort of a disease, Down syndrome or something like that. We're talking about people that are just toxically stupid, and they do exist. Just like some people have big noses, some people have little noses. So when you were talking to Elon Musk, did you get the sense that you were talking to, like, a genius? What did it feel like? Like, I'm a chimp. Like, <laughs> like I'm, you, I'm like, a chimp. Like, a, you're that person. Yeah, I'm that. Uh-huh. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I am that toxically stupid person. <laughs> Talking to this guy like, really? who wants to create gigantic power stations in Australia to fix their grid and wants to shoot fucking rockets into space. And they literally let him drill under L.A. They're like, go ahead. What are you going to do? Are you going to drill holes? Go ahead. I go think ahead. people are completely fascinated by him. They and they would have watched you. They would have watched like a silent movie with you and him for two hours. And uh, millions of people would have watched that too. I don't know about that. No, I, I they mean. They want to hear him talk for they, sure. Yeah, they want to hear him talk. But I'm saying like anything yeah. he does is completely fascinating to people. Well, he's a legitimate super genius. I mean, legitimate. Like when he's not full of shit. He's, that, that is his, his thought process is extraordinary. But one of the things that was really clear from talking to him was that it's uncomfortable. That his whole life it's been this tornado of ideas that's I beating it. against I, his head. I, yeah. And I, he, he's like, you wouldn't want to be me. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, Jesus. I'm like, what do you mean, man? <laughs> you know, he's like, it's a, it never shuts off. Right. You know, and like, oh. But he wasn't, you know, he wasn't woe as me. He was being factual and he was probably, it's probably like, you know how some people have a ringing in their ears? They have tinnitus. Yes. Like rock concerts yes. too many. I think he's got a ringing of ideas. Mm. So while you and I are having this conversation, I don't have a fucking thing else going on in my head. <laughs> there's nothing There's nothing else back there. It's just you and I talking. There's no fucking grand plans. I think he's like remapping civilization and trying to make a better yacht. You know, it's like, I'm thinking I want a burger. That's yeah, what I'm yeah, thinking right food, now. Yeah. Um he's he's just you know, just like Shaquille O'Neal is eight feet tall and some people are four feet tall. You know, some people just have a brain. I mean, there's no, there's no level playing field when it comes to anything, whether it's athletic performance or, or mental performance. Or who our parents are. Like you were talking about before, like I, I won the lottery when it comes to that. Yes. You know, I'm so aware of that in everything in my life. Right. That like that made everything possible. Yeah. Well, that is the real, the only saving grace of the concept of white privilege is that we do have to recognize that some people got a really good deal and some people got a really terrible deal. But the only reason why white privilege is even something to consider is that racism is real. The yeah. white, white privilege is not, if the world was Barry Weiss or... But or, there's all kinds of privilege, right? right? right. Like, but what I was going to say is if the world was people like you or people like Jamie, we would never have to worry about racism because it wouldn't even be a consideration. Jamie's on black Twitter every day. Loves Jamie, black what are you doing over there? It's just yeah. being a producer. Yeah. Working. Yeah. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if it was no racism, that concept would be totally irrelevant. And what we would be concentrating on is, you know, who's making the best buildings? Who's making the best music? What, what, what are the contributions to culture? We wouldn't care about if they were coming from Asian people or West Indian people. We wouldn't care. But I think the contribution of the left to make people recognize... Um, I don't know, uh, 
privilege of all kinds, that's useful. It's actually useful to think about that. What is not useful is to say, because you are X, Y, or Z thing, therefore you're out. Yes. Therefore, you have no stake. And therefore, in fact, you have sort of less of a claim on truth and morality. I'm sure you're aware of what happened recently with the woman from CNN who was on Patriot Radio. That was hilarious. (laughs) That was great. Yeah, that was amazing. She accused an African-American gentleman who she didn't do her research. Yeah, she she didn't Google him. Instead of arguing the idea or discussing these ideas, and she said, because of your white privilege, it's blinding you. And he was like, explain. He did, he he gave her rope too. You know, to me, like as a, a person who does jujitsu, he like gave her room. He gave her room, yeah. and she went right into the choke. She just sank the choke in herself. <laughs> she explained it even further, and he said, "I hate to break it to you, but I'm black." And you, she must have just felt her whole life, all of her intellectual credibility, just go fucking blush, flush down the toilet. Like, oh, my God, you just got exposed. And this is what people love about preposterous thinking. Preposterous thinking, if it's given enough time, it's eventually going to slam into a wall. And that's what we saw. We saw a truck with a fucking brick on the accelerator <laughs> just slam right into the wall was, because she uh, thought she had a path that you couldn't stop. And this is the path. It's like if you're playing uh, chess, but you have one super powerful move that it works. It's not like a rook or a queen. No, it has no rules. It just king. <laughs> I just That's what she did. Basically, she had this super Super powerful thing and it didn't work and it didn't work because this guy was a part of the very protected class that she was part of and she tried just that that way of thinking of just like shortcuts to dismissing people but no No. one else could pull that off except a black man or a black woman if if because of who he is he had the checkmate he's like ha ha and the whole world went ha ha because we've all seen that, but it you can't say anything. If I if I was having this discussion with her and she said because of your white privilege, I'd have to say, look, okay, you go through the thing. Let's unpack that. I fucking hate that word unpack. I hate it because it's always brought it's always brought out by people who really aren't unpacking shit. They're just explaining to you how their ideology trumps your ideology. And it's almost always like this preposterous way of describing things. Let me unpack that for you. Oh, fuck you. But but he didn't have to. He didn't have to say that. He said, I'm black. And that was the ultimate unpacking. Boom. Whether he's right or she's right, it's like, Th- those words, white privilege, oh, that's so, that creates so many fucking headaches. It does, but you think it's real, though. Yes, it's yeah, real. It For is sure real. It's, re- it's real because it's, racists don't target me the way they would target a black person. Exactly. That's 100% real. It is real. It real. just gets used in this sloppy way, and it gets used to dismiss people. Yes. And I don't think that's useful. And the real problem is not white privilege. The real problem is racists, actual racists. That's the real problem. And if there was no racist, that white privilege wouldn't be a thing. It's only a thing because of racists, and it's only a thing with racists. Without racists, it doesn't exist. The problem with African Americans or, or Asians or any – well, Asians is the real – like, this is a weird one, right? Like, the Harvard thing, where Asians are denied entry into Harvard with the same standards that white people have. Like if, because of racism. And they found – Because of racism. Yes. Because they're good. 
because they study so hard and they do but if you so look well. At, but if you look at that lawsuit and the language that the school used to sort of describe them as yeah. like antisocial and robotic <laughs> and all of these stereotypes. So it's, awful. It's crazy. It's so crazy. People should read Wesley Yang on this. He's a really interesting writer about this. Um, where, who Wesley is, Yang. You should have him on. I would love to. He wrote to. a book, a book of essays called, I think it's actually called The Souls of Yellow Folk this year. I'll connect you to him. Um, I used He's to just te- interesting on this. I used to teach Taekwondo for a living. And yeah. I was around a lot of Korean people. And uh, when, when uh, you know, I learned Taekwondo from a Korean man. When I learned and I was around so many Korean people, I was stunned by the, the work ethic that exists in these, these families and the, the humbleness and the, the, just like the, the way it was almost expected that you never brag and that you work harder than anybody. And I had a friend who was, he was on the U.S. Taekwondo team to, to compete in the Olympic Games. He was working on a schoolwork. He was going through his residency, so he's probably working on schoolwork 10 to 12 hours a day. In between classes, he would put his book bag on. He would fill his book bag up with, with books and run the stairs at the university up and down. And then he would come to the gym at night and train. And then he would travel oh to, to compete with the world team. And all the, all the meanwhile, he was in college. He was, he was going amazing. through medical school. I mean, I never. He had bags under his eyes. You could stuff Christmas trees in. It was fucking insane. This guy was always tired. But the work ethic that he had was just. I didn't have one tenth of that work work ethic. It was, it was impossible to to ignore. And he was so spread thin, and so tired all the time. But he kept working. And he would talk about his culture. And he would talk about his family and what his what his dad expected of him. Like he's like, man, in my house, like that, you just fucking did it. Like you don't, you, there's not, there's not like, oh, I feel tired today. Fuck you, get up, go to work. And but that attitude has allowed so many Asian people that discipline and 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 just this this culture of performance and of achievement, where it's so it's so cherished, that has allowed so many Asian people to excel in in academia and. The fact that Harvard somehow or another steps in and says, well, we're going we're to make it more difficult for you because you work so hard. That is so crazy and so weird. It's so weird that they as this – I mean if you think about – if you think about institutions of higher learning, Harvard is the first one you think about. It's number <laughs> one. It's number one. Like, oh, we graduated from Harvard. Oh, whoa. Done. Done. Right? Harvard. It's the H-bomb. Yeah. And to, to have them – so blinded it's it's amazing that they will be racist against the best performers because they're performing too well and there's a disproportionate number of them in the university so we're going to make it harder we're going to raise your standards yeah i just think the length the actual like the stereotypes and like the way that they sort of (laughs) fucking crazy yeah it's crazy it's crazy you have him on i would love to yeah Where, where is he out of do you know montreal montreal okay i've actually never I'm trying to think if I've ever met him. I've never met him, but he's he's an interesting writer, and he'd be really, really good on this, better than me, especially because yeah. I'm fading. Okay. Well, let's wrap it up. We're, we're three hours and 20 minutes. Are in. you serious? Yeah. Dude, there's a time warp in this fucking <gasps> Yeah, look. It's, there's uh, no light in here. No, there's 325. <laughs> well, there's, look, clouds. Um, I'm so happy we finally got together and talked. It was wonderful to have this conversation with it you. I really great. appreciate it. I was very impressed by you. Uh, and thank you very much. We're going Let's on a trip. Again. We're going to go on a trip. We're going to do it. Jamie's coming. He's going to bring his camera. Thank you so much. Thanks, Joe. Bye, everybody. <laughs>